Yeah, I saw some show like about that Canadians trying to visit Americans during COVID. And <clears throat> I don't think yeah. it was that park, but it was like another park where the border ran right through the middle of it. And they had yeah. uh, people like sitting in lawn chairs on each side of the line and like actually had border patrol people there watching. Yeah. And they would like let you cross over like real quick to like hug somebody, but they yeah. would like tell you like you're breaking the law and like I've got my eye on you basically. Like <laughs> it's so weird. It's so it's surreal being like I, I've been thinking about how weird it is to live next to an international border. It is really weird. It's a straight it's, it's a it's, like, is, it's just a line. Like it's a right? Yeah. There's no like natural no. there's not a river or anything that separates nope. it, right? It's just these cement buildings with people that are fully militarized just standing there and they're just looking for some, they're bored. I mean, that's what they're, they're just fucking bored. Um, and that's it. That's the, it's completely made up. And, um, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just a trip. Um, anyway, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I don't even know. It's just a weird thing. And I and I was thinking, Colin, when you said the thing about people like sitting across from each other in lawn chairs, I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun to play like tennis or something at like like get the ball across or like play pickleball or something? You know, I think Mike now could get going, in on now it. Now we're talking. Now he got Mike's attention. <laughs> I knew it was going to come to pickleball sooner later. <laughs> As my wife says, it all comes back to pickleball. <laughs> gotta say, Mike. Uh, ever since like. I didn't really know anything about it, but like ever since you got into it, like I see it everywhere. Like when yeah. I was in California, yeah. totally. I saw like the Venice Pickleball Club, the San Diego <laughs> Pickleball Club. I, yeah. My wife watches this Sunday morning show on CBS called Sunday Morning. I think it's actually. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that? They did a whole thing on like pickleball, like it, it originated in Bainbridge Island, I think, in Seattle. Yeah. Yep. Right? And uh, I think in the 60s or maybe it was later than that, but. Uh, 1965. Yeah, like, 65 yeah wow yeah it's been around wow that's well quite a long time i mean mike has become something of a pickleball influencer uh yeah yeah i'm starting to get free things now which is really nice damn see that's that's what it's about that's That's all i did it for i just wanted free gear and i finally got some paddles and some balls i'm like all right hey it's starting to work now i guess now i quit Are you sponsored? Are there like big pickleball? No, that's sort of the ultimate goal is to get a paddle sponsor. That's and then I want to play tournaments. So you can play um I guess what they would call it currently. I think they're gonna change the wording, but you can play senior pro, which is fifty plus. And uh yeah, you win money. I mean, you know, these guys travel, they probably play fifteen to twenty tournaments a year around the country, and it's a small group of people that generally are in the you know, winning each week, but they all have paddle sponsors. I'm not sure what's coverage covered for their, um, their travel or their lodging, but my guess is some of it because, you know, they're, they're, they're there every weekend. And, you know, I think if you win a tournament at that level, you're probably winning, I don't know, $1,500 or something. And they pay out the third, which is probably like something like, I don't know, a few hundred. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd like to play. I think I could get to the point where I could probably play singles at that level if I keep doing what I'm doing. Doubles is a that's a game that takes a very long time to get to to know well. It's it's very nuanced. It looks 
pretty basic, but there's a lot of little things you need to know. And you, you got to play people at that level for a long time. Whereas singles is a lot more just like sort of short tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to get a paddle sponsor and, and get to go to some tournaments and not have to pay for the full boat. But we'll who see. are the sponsors for pickleball? Is it like like companies that manufacture it or is it like? No, but, well, for the tours, you know, companies like Lexus and stuff like that are the, the, the national sponsors. They're, they got their first national broadcast live on CBS a few weeks back. Um, so it's starting to go. What's happening is there's a big influx of former tennis players or tennis players who played pro tennis, but not at the highest level. Like the, you know, there was a girl playing today. She was ranked like 250 in the world at one point. But, you know, you put 250 in the world at tennis is, is pretty good. And so you walk into the sport and there's not at the singles level, there's not a high learning curve because you already have the ground strokes and the court smaller. Um, So it's, it's a really, the influx of tennis players is really kind of where it's headed at at this point, because they just have all the training really for the the ground strokes and things like that. It takes them a little longer, like I said, to learn doubles because it's a lot more kind of shot making and short shots and stuff like that. But eventually, obviously they get it. So. It's going to be interesting to see where it is, you know, if this holds together for another couple of years. But, you know, it's a sport based on petroleum, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe Serena will be a, be a pickleball. Oh, yeah, she would want – I mean, it, you know, honestly, if she, if she decided she'd have a little – it'd take her some time to get the doubles game down just for the little, you know, the shots and stuff because it's just – it's more of a dinking game and back and forth. But, fuck, she'd walk in right now and just dominate in singles. I mean, the, the – the number one woman in the world is a 15 year old girl. Um, and she's great, but this other woman who's 24, who played pro tennis, just started playing like last fall and she played her and she beat her. So it's, you know, that's kind of where it's headed. I think. I could see what you mean though. Like I remember playing in high school. One of the girls in my class was the best tennis player, like in the school and she just killed everybody in pickleball. No one could yeah. match her at yeah. all. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's just all that muscle memory they have. So mm-hmm. hitting balls for years. Yeah. You know, I, I'd never heard of pickleball until you got into it, but I have I, I kind of a friend of a friend who belongs to uh, a field club. Yeah. Uh, you know, someplace that <laughs> I can't even put a walk by. But uh, he, uh, he would talk about platform tennis. Um, yeah. Is that the same thing or is it? No, it's a little different. It's uh, that's played generally. Well, there's a couple games. There's paddle, there's platform tennis, there's this other sort of tennis. Some of them are played with a, a tennis ball that has low pressure, so it doesn't travel as far. Um, and there's a game where they play with a regular tennis racket and a, a, a low-pressurized tennis ball. Then there's another game where they play with a low-pressurized tennis ball but a paddle. Then there's another game where they play with tennis rackets and stuff, but there's glass walls that they can bounce it off of so it's sort of like racquetball meets tennis and Mm. yeah there's a ton of paddle sports out there and racket sports they're all sort of goofy there was a (laughs) like growing up my my dad owned some athletic clubs and racquetball was like a huge thing so yeah i grew up playing racquetball yeah was that bill it was huge back in the day yeah yeah maybe um you know, it was up before your time, but it was like, I remember like early eighties, early eighties. It was huge. Yeah. yeah I mean, sure. I remember, um, I grew up in a resort community. Like I couldn't afford to be these things, but like, we always 
found ways to kind of you know sneak into pools and things but uh yeah <laughs> we used to go we used to play racquetball um and mm-hmm. um we were kids and uh it's intense man it's intense oh yeah that's a yeah. fucking scary game if you don't know what you're doing either yeah. you get hurt <laughs> yeah like yeah you early. get hurt i mean it's it requires a lot of stamina you know Oh, I remember yeah. being at an LA fitness on like a, an elliptical watching guys play racquetball and then an ambulance coming and taking a guy out. Cause another guy clocked him with a racket, you know, and playing doubles, you know, four guys in a freaking little tiny cell whacking a rubber ball, hundred miles. <laughs> Dude, that shit yeah. is so fast. Like, I don't think you yeah. realize how fast you can smack that ball. And you're in this like enclosed space. So it's just yeah. like, Oh, my dad would play, he would play in tournaments and he had a wicked, I don't know. He had this special thing he did. He would hit it right in the corner and it would hit. And it was just like really hard to like get. I don't know. It was the whole thing, man. It was high level athleticism. Yeah. It's pretty wicked. Yeah. Yeah. Early, early eighties, my dad and my parents and all their friends, like all played racquetball. It was like, it's a thing to do. Yeah. Hey man. Hey, let me ask you a personal question. How many people here really like NSYNC? Perfect. Perfect. How many people here ever woke up one morning and just decided it wasn't one of those days and you're gonna break some shit? When are we going to begin our, uh, our, 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 our memorial to the queen? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm really glad God today we, we, we planned you know, this. I, we, I, we never, I, just, I, mean, I, I never really understood how Americans are so obsessed with it, other than it's just a part of celebrity culture. You know, like, yeah. I had, you know, and I'm, never, I'm always surprised by this. I had a friend who, like, I know her, she lives in my town. You know, I'm not, like, really close to her. You know, I don't see her that often, but. You know, I see her on Facebook, and she was telling me today that like she was in tears, like in <laughs> tears, my like, and I'm like, like, really, like the yeah. richest people on earth died. <laughs> I know, like she didn't like. I mean, I guess she was, uh, you know, as far as queens of a bloodthirsty empire go, she was probably a lovely person, but like, she didn't know her. You know, it wasn't like her great aunt or something. Like, she was a precious <laughs> symbol. I, get it. I think Americans are obsessed with rich people. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Down to. It's like, I want to know they're obsessed with what they own, how expensive it is. I mean, there's all these shows on that kind of yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Oh, they have this kind of house with these many rooms and it costs this much money. I just, she's mm-hmm. like you said, she's like a celebrity. She's not like a politician per se. She's not looked at that way, even though, of course, we know the history of the royal family, but. She's looked at like a celebrity. She's a tourist yeah. queen. Well, it's even weirder because if people are so happy about being like a patriotic about being a U.S. American, the whole thing about it is that we had a revolution to get away from monarchies, right? Like the, the whole yeah. idea is like, fuck the king, fuck the queen. We're going to elect our leaders. We have a democracy or whatever. <laughs> I mean, 
it's just it is weird i think this this fixation is particularly on like we don't do this with like the queen and king of spain or no whatever any other country that still have intact monarchies you know um you know and it's like one thing when they when they have like a royal wedding like i get people want to watch that because it's like a big spectacle and you can see how mm -hmm. i don't know how the other side lives or whatever but yeah, I don't, you know, who really cares about the queen? Um, I don't yeah. know. My my wife's Irish, so she's thrilled. So, you know. <laughs> the, the Irish are the funniest when it comes to shitting on the British. They... Yeah, and rightly uh, so. And rightly so. I mean, it's because and you, you know why. Like, you have yeah. to... Because <laughs> there's no forests anymore besides yeah. everything else. <laughs> oh, and then you, like, learn... Yeah, you just learn the history of Ireland and what the British did to to the irish over hundreds and hundreds of years you're like yeah yeah you, you, you can shit on the queen that's the least you can do yeah that's yeah that's when funny. i when i first started dating her i went on like a real deep dive into like irish history and like i already knew the rough outline but really getting into the details i'm just like okay yeah you're right they are fuck the british like i wish they actually would have bombed parliament successfully <laughs> i know bummer yeah. I know all these failed, <laughs> tried, failed revolutions. I mean, getting, yeah. getting mortars right down there and shooting them over the fence isn't isn't nothing. <laughs> no, that's you're right. That's that's more than I've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, it is it is weird. The and uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I I do think it is. It's it's. I think the British family, the British royal family, is just. It's very much a, a part of celebrity culture now it's not even they don't have any real function as far as i'm con as far as i know oh, right like tourism basically is really i think what it's about at this point, yeah i mean yeah. like do they have that's any sort of sense. political power do they make any decisions that have any effects i think it's just like kind of advisory like the prime minister will go talk to the queen or you know i guess mm -hmm. will be the king now and like they can like they can tell the prime minister like that's a bad idea don't do it but it's yeah, has no, you know, other than just the queen saying it to you, it's not really like binding or anything. Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, too, like when you read those series of books from Gerald Horn, where he's talking about the times that we went and colonized the Americas, I mean, a lot of it was these people saw that they could make money and they're like, I want to come over here and make money. I can't, if there's a monarchy, I can't make the kind yeah, of money right. I want to make. I want to, I want to get some of your money. So I'm going to go do this over here or I'm yeah. going to, you know, I, they'd like circumvent what, what some of the laws were and be like, we're going to create our own laws so we can be, you know, heads of companies and make money. It was like, that was how mm -hmm. capitalism started rolling. We just yeah, call it I mean, freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had, we had actual, you know, there was, there was free land here when, uh, quote free land you know yeah. ev everything <laughs> on the island of england is you know the royal family if it's not owned by somebody else so yeah, yeah that's that's a big part of their function now is they they own all the land you know like you know they um everything from housing like projects or estates as they call them there like at all it's all like royal family divvied out so like it's kind of a weird, I mean, I guess we kind of have that here because technically everything's owned by the federal government, but it's, I don't mm. know, there's much more diversity, I suppose, but there it's much more um, direct, I suppose. And that's kind of their function. 
but yeah, I think it's tourism. That's what my, I got a friend from the UK and, uh, and he says, everybody, all my friends in the UK say, like, no one gives a fuck about the royal family there. Unless you're like a 65 year old, like, you know, housewife or something like nobody cares about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's big tourism and I get it. Like they, you know, the way Americans just get so emotionally invested, you know, I mean, you know, I, I remember my mom's friends getting up at like four in the morning to watch Prince when Princess Diana, the, her funeral procession. It's like, yeah, yeah, that shit sustained the National Enquirer for like 10 years. Uh, just Princess Diana by herself. I know. Worst car crash ever. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, they were saying on the radio today that like all the British embassies are getting mobbed by like Americans wanting to pay their respects. And I'm just like, you know, it's like, yeah, didn't, didn't we fight a war so that we didn't yeah. have to pay respects to the like, royal family? <laughs> I think U.S. tourists are like some of the worst people in the world. There's some Which like is pretty much all of us. <laughs> yeah, right. But the ones that can afford to like, oh, we're gonna go to England. We're gonna see all the sights. Yeah. We're gonna see Big Ben. We're gonna go see the palace. We're gonna, you know, those people are awful. <laughs> and it and it makes sense that we're kind of connected to England that way because people in Europe will tell you like British are the worst tourists to have come to your country. So yeah. Mm. We are, yeah, you know, I mean, we are kind of... the U.S. is a child of the British Empire, so yeah. it's understandable that we got our shittiness from somewhere, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. The sun never <laughs> sets. <laughs> but it seems it's true. Like I just think about what Rob said about Gerald Horn's books. You know, that book, The Counter Revolution of 1776. I didn't read it, but I understood the premise based on interviews and stuff. He I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, but the idea was that the revolution in 1776, of course, was to, you know, start our own country, shoot, offshoot of the British Empire. But it was because the British were moving in a direction to to abolish slavery in some form or another. Like that was the trajectory. And the wealthy landowners in the U.S., like George Washington and all the founding fathers, they were like, you know, like, that's not good for us. We we derive all of our capital and wealth from our our slaves so you know fuck this so you know in great part the revolution was sparked because of that kind of that uh that trend of of abolition or whatever you want to call it yeah i mean he in that book he traces the different events where you see them starting to move towards abolition and you start to see how it wraps up tensions here you know Mm -hmm. that people want to revolt because of it so yeah. Yeah, he does a great job of showing those parallels and showing that that's a big a big motivating factor for yeah. it. Yeah, I think uh, there was an article. It was at a Black Agenda report, um, and it was it might have been about that book, but it was definitely about the Kennedy Revolution. I remember reading it this year around the fourth. Uh, yeah, they mentioned that. They also, I think, there was something to do with uh, also they were trying to normalize like relationships with the indigenous. Um, and um, and to stop expansion, mm. um, west of I think the Ohio Valley or something, uh, which again the you know the colonists did not want right. anything to do with that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's like there was there was more to the uh, revolution than just uh, angry white people over tea. Uh, yeah, taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
of which I heard they didn't, they weren't, I heard the taxes in the colonies were actually relatively low compared to other colonies. Yeah, that's some bullshit, yeah. yeah. Well, this kind of, I want to, I want to bring pickleball into this because Mike did a video oh, about whether, uh, whether yeah. a pickleball can save America. Um, yeah. So that was an article in the New Yorker was that somebody <laughs> asked that question. One of the rich guys that owns a pickleball tour, he's, you know, can pickleball save America? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, um, what America are you talking about? <laughs> First of all, if pickleball was going to save America, I'd quit pickleball. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Is this shit doesn't need to be saved. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. I'll tell you, though, it, I don't know if, if you saw the video I did on it, but it, it is an odd thing. Like it's most of the people I play with. I should say most a fair amount of people I play with. I would never seek out, hang out with um, mainly because I can sort of just spend enough time with people. You can just kind of see how they they view the world a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's a place where, and I've played in a bunch of different cities and a bunch of different groups, and it's just really about pickleball. And yeah, usually people I, ask, the, the number one question is, how did you start? And you can, you know, I, I can tell people, you know, I'm playing with somebody who's probably voted for Trump and somebody who's doing this and somebody who's doing that. So that way, it's, it's a little like going back to the time period, if there was such a thing where we didn't talk about politics and religion. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, did our little you know, whatever activity. So yeah, in some sense, it's refreshing because it's like, Oh, I don't have to go here and represent whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I was wondering, I was I wondering, like I just hit you. I was wondering what the premise of that article was, but so it was just to like heal the division and bring us back to. Yeah. I think norm, it was mainly about how, or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, it, it, nothing's actually, it seems like nothing, everything's dividing us and this goofy little sport is actually just sort of taken hold of, some groups of people who probably normally wouldn't hang around each other, um, you know, because it's a sport that generally uh, started with people who live in retirement communities. So a bunch of old white people who can afford to live in retirement communities, but now it's, as it's blowing up, it's starting to expand out. Like I just interviewed a guy who is doing basically what the PGA tour did with the first tee, trying to get kids and people who don't have access to equipment to take up the sport. And so that's something he's trying to spread. And he took the model of the PGA tours first tee program and he put it into pickleball. Um, so it's expanding in that way. There's a lot more young people jumping in a lot more people who probably, you know, wouldn't play a, a traditional, uh, you know, kind of country club sport, although it's, it's such a stupid little game. It's just a, whacking a wiffle ball with a paddle. So <laughs> I have to remind myself of that, you know, every so often when I start to care. Well, I mean, we gotta, we need to get rid of the golf courses anyway. So we do, we do, we and this is a much cheaper sport. I mean, you know, a bunch just, of wiffle balls, and you can play basically with some sort of even a wood paddle, and uh, you know, some sort of you can play in a tennis court. Really, I just wonder if, like, he writes that article. You know, you see something that's more of a communal thing spreading because there's really none of that here anymore. So all of a sudden you leap to this big conclusion and really it's just a problem. I mean, how many before we had all this technology, we were doing gatherings as communities and for a variety of different reasons. And I feel like it's just not happening as much anymore. Right. And it's a big money grab right now. Anyways, you know, there is a communal aspect to it, which I really like. It's very social game because you're really playing on a very small court. It's half the size of a tennis court. 
So you're in close proximity and you're usually playing double. So there's three other people on the court. So there's a lot of chatter and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, this is a sport that's really starting to just skyrocket. So everybody's going for the money grab, including yours truly, because I want to appreciate. But, you know, there's three pro tours. There's these and all these guys are like billionaires that own these tours. And so they're trying to get the best players and sign them to contracts. And paddle prices have gone from like, you know, two years ago, a paddle for like $100 was insane. And now they're, you can buy paddles up to like 350 bucks. It's a fucking paddle. <laughs> Is it like carbon fiber at least? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all the space age bullshit technology. Does it it's matter? So Does it matter? Does it affect the game? No, you know, here's the, the thing. Here's the thing. So I got this <laughs> beginner set company sent me a, a beginner set paddle and ball set. It's like a $60 thing. You get like two paddles, you know, something you would buy at like Walmart, two balls, um, you know, some, something to regrip your paddle and some, you know, some of those towels that you can use over and over. Anyways, the paddle quality is pretty good because the other end has gone up so high. But I was just saying this to somebody the other day. There were two pro guys. This is a, probably six months to a year ago that played two guys that were probably about my level, which is kind of mid range. And the two pros played with, um, cutting boards no handles on the cutting board just a board <laughs> and they smoke those two guys so that's what i'm saying everybody gets so it's like golf they get so into the equipment but if you don't have the technique it doesn't matter uh-huh. you, you could beat a guy with a cutting board is what i'm saying if you know what you're doing so there's i think there's a valuable lesson because you can extend this to anything right because i you know i think we all kind of get into these little hobbies and they can blow up into something bigger right i mean it could become a career but like we get fixated on the buying of things like i want the best pickleball paddle i want the best this that you know and when it ultimately comes down to is like practicing and playing with other people that can give you some you know it just comes down to gaining experience and developing skill sets and i fall into this trap like of just like i don't know like like i don't I mean, you can do with anything like i do that with podcasting like you don't need yeah. much you just need like uh, you can use your phone for fuck's sake and if it's a good right. yeah. if you're good at if you're engaging and interesting to listen to and you know how to talk to people if that's what you want to do with it then that's all you really need you know obviously step up to better equipment when it's right but you know i yeah, see I people mean, like I'm filming to... my videos on this iPad and it's sitting on a rusty folding chair. Yeah, you look and you <laughs> and look it's propped good. up with a board. You're very like I'm impressed with you cuz I see I, my exposure to you has been through the podcast the the radio show podcast thing you did yeah. uh and some of your essays and stuff, your book and then like our conversations. And you're just like right. riffing and just and then this is just like I don't know. You sound like a sports announcer. Like you're just this other side of you comes out, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Like Mike, he definitely what is have a very like, yeah, yeah. Not like, <laughs> just, like like photogenic like speaker voice. It definitely I love it works. Too, it's like so it's my good. brand, guys. I love it. I just I just it's my I fucking just brand. Comment on it. I just want to comment on it. I just love well, it. Well, my buddy comments every fucking week. If you just read any, look at any of my videos, the guy that always comments is named JJ Dabs. And he, all he does, this is a guy sit around and get stoned with, you know, every once in a while. All he does is take what I say, regurgitates it, and then makes it sound dumb. <laughs> like, it makes me sound dumb. And I'm like, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so read it, I read his comments every week to my wife in his voice. 
<laughs> she's like, oh, I never watched your channel, but I love JJ's comments. <laughs> oh my God. I it's need just a, comment a nice more. reminder though, Mike, because like I learned a lot from you. It's like, yeah, we're fucked. Like there's no doubt we're fucked and mm-hmm. we've seen it more and more every day, right? But it's like, I got a life to live. Like, what am I going to yeah. do about this? Like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I see you living your life and enjoying it. And like, that's okay. Yeah. Because some people that get into that mind frame can't do that. They think it's wrong and shame people for doing that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. Thank I you. enjoy it. Yeah, it's... um. And, you know, and I think we can all say this, everybody's sitting here, we're all on record. <laughs> like, there's any doubt about, you know, what we think or thought or what's going on. We are clearly on record. So if any one of us want to just go, okay, I don't really need to say anymore. There's boatloads of stuff I've said, written, all of us, podcasts, mm-hmm. books, essays, interviews, you name it. We are on record. And for me at that point, I'm like, I don't have much more to say about this. It's kind of unwinding in front of us. I guess every once in a while, we bo- any one of us could pop in for the rest of them and go, hey, fucking told you so. But, you know, we can just assign each other that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and you, you see this a lot, you know, in the media landscape. These people, you know, they have to constantly get more content. You know, they have to constantly yeah. comment on things, I mean, that, and then they've got to keep pushing the edge and you know they find a niche and then they that's their thing and then they have to yeah. like go after it and like it's just exhausting and i just yes. you know i've reached my saturation <laughs> with it where it's like i just can't take it anymore you know? i know yeah i could so. get in trouble by saying this but the ultimate of it is caitlin johnstone i mean it's like there's something in the news oh my gosh i got to knock mm. out this article and react i can't even think i just need to react i need to stay mm. relevant I need mm-hmm. those patrons coming. I need that $48,000, you know, or whatever it was. It was like four grand a month Jesus. I saw she had on Patreon. Like, I need that coming. And if I don't stay relevant, I'm going to drop. And I'm going to be, you know, I got to keep staying relevant. It's more for her about, like, the clicks than it's about the content and ethics and credibility. And Yeah. Just- did you see that article that uh, Ken just did about, about yeah. her? He, he made Ken some comment about her and she... She went after him. She called him, him an imp, a simp of empire or something yeah, stupid. Yeah, simp of empire. Like, <laughs> oh, she's, and that's what's hilarious. She's never been to the United States a day in her life, but she will tell you how it is and how things are here. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, just because yeah. you have a husband that used to live here. Give me a break. I think her husband's yeah. American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the grip, right? That's not a right? cred for me. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a, it's, such a, it's such a weird thing because, like, I uh, – you know, I've I had Eric Dreitzer on like when the Russian invasion of Ukraine started and we talked about it. I mean, he's really clear in his analysis. He's like, yeah, NATO's involved. Like, obviously, the U.S. is complicit in the escalation of tent. Like, there's all like it's a complex geopolitical situation. But nonetheless, Russia invaded a country and they're trying to take it over and they're trying to steal their resources and they believe they like have dominion over that region because it's like part of the Russian empire as it was like hundreds of years ago not even the soviet era like pre-soviet right like the czar and his shit um yeah, it's a long complicated history yeah, yeah. it's complicated and then you have people like john stone and i don't know who the fuck Eric glenn Mate greenwald, and glenn greenwald Max Blumenthal, I don't know. There's a whole list of these people and they just are on the like it everything is 
the U.S. And if another empire steps in to try to claim territory and resources, um, they're not the bad guys in that situation. No. And it's yeah. weird because it's like, you know, the world's complicated. The U.S. sucks, but it's not even the center of things anymore. It's it's losing its role as the central force, uh, uh, you know, in the world, I guess. And so, yeah, you know, we're seeing other players step in and they're also oppressive. They're also, you know, they're, they're also imperialists. <laughs> they also have fascist tendencies like it's not just the u.s like yeah well i mean yeah. putin putin literally kind of wanting to you know originally people claimed that he wanted to go back to kind of the soviet times and bring back that that image of the of russia yeah but, he's not a communist but he's really going beyond that to your right to like he's, the czar to yeah. <laughs> it's just being contrarian for contrarian sake almost like i'll pick yeah. the contrarian view and then it spills over into all these other things i mean how many times have we seen people that we thought like followed science and then oh the contrarian <laughs> of the rona and it's like oh, i'm gonna go the contrarian uh -huh. side no yeah well it's just it, we can say in a broader way that that when these big <laughs> yeah all well, these big events happen like this that are like global in scope it really fucks with people's minds right i mean it really like it's hard to map that it makes sense of it i think and so um i don't know i think it was I mean, a, it was a service i think covid did a service at least in the the doomosphere it just unmasked all the 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 shit around you that you're like holy cow okay this is a little more sure. clear i don't need all these people in my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, right a, yeah, yeah there's a bunch I, of nutballs here yeah. absolutely we yeah i was saying that a long too yeah definitely people's true colors really came through in that yeah uh, yeah, living to stop the steal too. You yeah, know, like, yeah. I used to follow. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, not that I even. I. I. You know. I. I wasn't really aligned with his politics, but uh, uh, Kunstler, uh, mm. James Howard Kunstler, because yeah. yeah. he yeah. and claps and all that. And uh, I mean, stop the. He just went like, just dove right into it. Like, yeah. it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I was like, come on. Like, I thought you were like had some analytical capabilities and it was like the night of the election like he didn't even wait for things to settle before he just wrote so i kept waiting he wrote he writes like a weekly article i kept i kept for like three weeks keep thinking like oh surely he's got to come out and with like some kind of like hey i got this wrong no you know they yeah. do that they just you know move on to the next thing and hope people forget it's just the problem i see if you're looking at it from like a left right perspective the right controls the story they control how they word things right. they control the language which i think is so important and the messaging the left reacts to it the left then adopts their language and coding mm -hmm. right we don't come yeah. up with our own like right. it's such a problem um I, it just gets frustrating yeah i remember reading the long emergency you know counselor and uh i remember reading some things in there and I can't remember specifically, but they had some sort of racial undertones to them. And I was like, I mean, I agree with a lot of what this guy's saying, but I'm like, I feel this sort of angry old white guy, you know, like kind of like, I don't remember if this was said, but like, you know, quit sagging your pants and pull them up type shit, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, this, he's one of these guys. So I've always kind of kept him at a little bit at distance since then. I was like, yeah, I like what he says, but I think he's, I think he's a kind of a racist. <laughs> And a total yeah, I, I, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of put the same thing. It was like the cracks were starting to show. Yeah. Over the years, and then I was like, yeah. And then, like I said, these events happened. If some, you know, COVID, like we talked about, it was a huge one. Stop the steal, I think, was smaller than that. But you know, these events happen, and then it's just like, oh, all right, I see. Right. I see where you're really yeah. at here. Like, you know, um, yeah, all the misanthropes really. Uh, who out. is it? Let's say, maybe we we don't have to name names, but we can. I'd like to do that. Who is the biggest surprise in our circles that you just went really you <laughs> on any of that shit like. I'm trying to think because there were there were some big ones, but I was like, "Ooh!" I where I went, "Whoa!" Mm. With COVID, like the- any of them, like any of the things that have happened in the last few years, where you know people have just kind of fractured off, and they just you you know like you go, "I just you lost your fucking mind." Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely with Kunstler and Stop the Steal, it was it was really surprising. Like you know, I always knew yeah. he was a conservative. But he seemed like a reasonable conservative, you know. I didn't know he's he, he kind of bought some valid points sometimes, you know. And I was like, all right. Usually it was mostly collapse related things, you know, right. like like following him on. And it was just to see him go so headlong into it. Yeah. It was just, you know, embarrassing. And I and I I guess I kept giving the benefit of the doubt. It's like, well, maybe he called this too soon, you know, maybe this and that. And uh right. you know, I think it's a toxic trait of mine where I I kind of give people like more space than they need, you know, like I should cut some people off a long time ago, but like, I'm getting better about that now. I'm being like, that's it. I can't. Yeah. I can't do this now or whatever, but like, right. Yeah. I gotta say for me recently, I mean, I haven't really been paying as much attention to it as I normally would, but in a way, Glenn Greenwald, I always kind of, he was a libertarian, but then to see him actually like kiss the ass of Alex Jones, literally is just unbelievable to me like that kind of turn i was i saw where he had this documentary done about him it was on the media roots podcast if you listen to it and they play excerpts of the kind of softball questions and the compliments that greenwald was giving alex jones at that premiere like the questions i was like i was like blown away i thought i was like in the twilight zone Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I, i that is that is a very bizarre one for me too and like I think Matt Matt Taibbi too was uh, mm, yeah I mean yeah I I used to read both of them I think when they were both on Salon back in the day and uh you know kind of appreciated both their articles and they both kind of yeah. lost their minds at similar yeah, times. Used to write for Rolling Stone. I used to read Taibbi's when yeah. he was a Rolling Stone writer. Um, yeah, it's it's just. I think Forrest is really like struggling here to. I think Forrest, he's here. <laughs> he just fell down the stairs. I can hear you. We can hear, hear you. you. Can't see you. Like, right. right, don't worry. Don't worry. It's just I'm rustling coming. around in the dark is like all I can see right now. How unprofessional. <laughs> really, it is. Really, it is. I cannot lie. I can't That's talk shit. Okay. I'm going well, to my other computer. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Yeah, because I want to hear about, uh, you know, Forrest is overcoming COVID, and I want to hear about his experiment with uh, no air conditioning yeah. in the summer oh, yeah. in fucking Houston. Jesus. <laughs> are we all ready? Day, Forrest. Are all us West Coast guys ready oh, for our right. next heat wave here? Oh, God. <laughs> I need summer to end and mosquitoes to go away. <clears throat> It's been a tough summer here. It's been, uh, we got the river uh, here had the highest crest since 1942. 
Um, it went mm. to a 15 foot crest and it took, it probably took half an acre off the property I live on. And it's, uh, it's quickly approaching our community kitchen. It's just keeps cutting into this bank and wow. we have a irrigation ditch between the kitchen and the river. And the river is about eight feet from the irrigation ditch. In fact, the head gate, big cement piece is hanging off the cliff towards the river. So this, this it's a probably a 20, 20 year event that just happened here. And uh, man, it took a, it took some serious trees down river too. So I'm like, well, I'm ready for uh, it, We had a really long monsoon, which we never have. It was a two month monsoon. So, and then right at the end, it dumped on us and all this water came down from the mountains and just, knocked out a bridge on the major highway here. So we couldn't even go to the only town we could get to for a few days. And so I'm like, Oh, do I have to move eventually? <laughs> Shit. There he is. There's the man. There is. His audio is not working now. No. Oh, he's connecting right now. Let's see. Hey, Forrest. Oh. Can you hear me? Can you speak? Can you say something? I saw two thumbs up. Oh, hold up. There you are. <laughs> I remember my podcast. At, guy fucking works at NASA and can't get this shit together. Huh? I remember my he's a fucking engineer. <laughs> Guy's a goddamn engineer and he's fumbling around in the fucking dark. <laughs> Forrest, how are how are you, Forrest? He still hasn't have it. <laughs> he can't hear us. Can you hear us? God damn it. I just can't be happy with it. Oh, I can hear you now. Ah, Oh my goodness. We'll get it. We'll get it together. It'll it'll happen. It's gonna happen. One of these days. I don't want to fire our only black guy, but I'm getting close. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Mike's gonna get rid of our diversity in one fell swoop. Oh my I'm gonna god! Fuck our whole quota up. Okay, it is. Let's see. We might have two forests here. Let's see. We got oh oh this Christ! Is, this oh, is oh, cheating, cheating the quota system, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, that's forest too. <laughs> hey, my computers are fucking up. Shit. Damn. I think. Oh, there I am. Now there's two of them. Wait, there's two of you. Literally two. So one of them's got a mute. Let me see. I can't get high enough. <laughs> get it we'll get it i almost bought weed today so i bought this thing Go. like a month ago over a month now i'm like holy sh-. and i smoked this thing a lot <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but it's a double so it was like 60 bucks or something i'm like holy shit but oh my god it's lasted forever i mean that's that's a pretty good deal is it a, a pen what is it, a pen yeah it's just a little uh pen of uh you know it's a throwaway this will be in a landfill soon no worries um of, <laughs> oh no it's 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 yeah it's made out of willow it's fine um it's so it's blue dream and i just bought it i was mm. in las cruces and there was a dispensary and and then there was a mm. buffalo hot wings right next door so i was like oh <laughs> so. yeah it's yeah. still expensive in new york it's like it's only medical here now yeah. it, it's they, they the, the legislature did approve recreational but new york is gonna just do it fucked up like new york just can't do it that's what you know i'm from wisconsin so i went back this summer my parents moved back and uh i spent 
a month there and I was at a wedding and I pulled out a doobie, you know, people are smoking. You would have thought I was Jesus Christ. Like every, cause there's no, there's no medical there. There's no wreck. There's like, mm. it's like back in time there. So people are like, Oh, can I just smell it? I'm like, oh you want to talk? No, man, I have a job. I'm like, well, did they tested you ever? No. How long you worked there? 40 years. I'm like, okay, you are trained. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, it was so Man, weird. I like, could sell a shitload of weed in this state. <laughs> yeah, oh, when man. I when Connecticut legalized uh, medical, I it was so weird because like you would go into the dispensaries and they rename all the strains, so they're not any strains you've ever heard of. They give them like pharmaceutical sounding names, yeah. and mm. so like you can, I guess it only applies to that dispensary, maybe or to to connecticut because I, I think they only have like five dispensaries in the state it's like very regulated well most of the dispensaries I, i've been in not all of them but probably 90 percent of them feel like a clinic yeah. you know and i prefer that head shop sort of feel but this they all feel like a fucking white gloves they all feel very sterile yeah the ones in at, oregon or at least the ones i go to have uh gotten rid of that feeling the one yeah. the main one by my house is totally like a head shop it's yeah yeah. when i I was in california it's more like a head shop yeah here it's kind of weird it's like the atmosphere is kind of like an apple store right it's like clean and sterile but like kind of hippish you know look at this thing look at this thing it's beautiful i mean it's it feels good in your hand it's pretty cool great in a wind tunnel yeah (laughs) there is a uh there's a dispensary nearby called dank of america Mm-hmm. And I didn't name. want to go just because of the Very name. I just name. was like, "What's Very clever. good name, yeah. Dank of America. If you could make it like a dispensary pickleball, you could call it Dink and Dank. <laughs> the best name I saw. There's one in Queens called the Coffee Shop. C O U G H Y. Yeah, nice. There's there's one in Eugene called a uh, Space Space Buds, and they actually <laughs> the the bud tenders recently unionized. Yes, um, mm. to fight the the owners because a lot of the dispensaries are actually owned by people out of state uh, even in yeah. new york in some cases you know just big rich people that are like this is the new billion dollar industry so i gotta get invested in that on the ground floor you know how what? do stoners organize yeah i don't get i, I don't know they did john Boehner, hey man we should do all over and john Boehner was talking about getting involved in it a couple years ago and i was like oh, oh right you know what yeah I bet, I bet there's some rich mormons that are starting dispensaries and getting shit tons of money too because mormons they're not getting high on their own supply no no there there were like i remember <laughs> i remember as a kid growing up my dad like we would have to go to jackpot nevada right it's like this little town on the border of idaho and it's like a casino town it's a shitty little town but they have a they had a little like congregation of Mormons there. They had church, so we'd go and like one of the leaders in that ward owned a casino, and he just yeah. like he, he ran was it. in hell. He made me as a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, and he was just like With the queen. Like, how do With you how do you reconcile that, man? How do you do that, my dude? And he's just yeah. oh, you know, it's just a business. I don't do it. I don't drink. I don't gamble. I'm like oh. it's just like the mafia. It's just business. You no, know, it's just business, man. It's just whatever. It's just like, that's the personal. Well, it's just personal. taking profit off of people. So, you know, just like right. anything else. It's okay to right. make money off the sinners, but you can't sin. It's different. Right. Correct. It's right. very different. Yeah. Forrest is here as far as being able to speak and is connected. How, Forrest, you, you were um, infected with the plague recently. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good now. 
I'm feeling yeah. good now. Okay. Good. But if anybody says that it's not real, fuck them. I think it's almost impossible now for the people that say it's not real to say it's not real because there have literally been hundreds of millions, if not billions of people that have gotten it at least once at this point. So yeah, yeah but do you know any of them? I know a lot of them. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know so many people who have the who've gotten it too. I'm the only one who doesn't get it. Like everybody else I know has gotten it. I'm like, I, I haven't gotten it either, either but yeah. because yeah, I'm I, so far not, not on I, wood, but uh, I'm like super like, I wear a fucking respirator at work. I'm that guy, you know, I'm the one that looks like I'm going into a factory to go <laughs> yeah. to a fucking college and work with people. So shit, you were um, smart. Fuck that. I mean, yeah. They had me down for about two weeks. Yeah. And then I made the mistake. I didn't mess up because I was feeling, feeling myself. So now I ran on a Saturday, but I just mm-hmm. crashed on Sunday. Right. Yeah. And then it kind of like uh, had a, I guess, kickback effect on me. So that was pretty bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm just going easy now. I'm not running. I'm not doing anything right now. I'm just gonna chill out. I'll probably be yeah. like another week before I do anything because that's the yeah. thing that it killed my energy level. I was just sleeping. I was like, yeah. I just had no energy, and then I felt weak. And I had um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Post nasal drip, sore mm-hmm. throat. Mm-hmm. Not much, not much sneezing, but I was just congested, and I could feel yeah. like the buildup of mucus in my body, like in my throat, in my mm-hmm. nose. I just couldn't get rid of, you know. I guess mm-hmm. my body find out the infection, but I was like, man, it was hard to sleep. Yeah. Uh, constantly or consistently. So I sleep for like two hours. Then I wake up coughing, yeah. acting and things like that. Then I go down, lay down like 30 minutes. Then I fall back asleep and I have to get up. So it was intermittent as far as my sleep was concerned, right? But I was sleeping a lot just in intervals, like two, three-hour intervals. And I had to get up. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. No, I'm feeling good now. I'm feeling good now. But it was definitely unlike the flu or any flu yeah. that I've had, right? So, because um, mm-hmm. I've never been that lacking of energy before. You know, even when I've yeah. had uh, um, uh, flus and things of that nature. So, but then I was thinking like, the way I look at it is that, hey man, if I didn't have the vaccine, of course, it could be much and the, worse. And yeah. the ivermectin, of course. <laughs> oh yeah, you know I went right right by the the uh, the veterinarian vet, vet, the vet drive got me some of that with a quick man. Oh yeah, yeah. hydroxychloroquine. Uh, what else is it? Monoclonal antibody. I had some zinc. I, I had some zinc, so I was that's good to go. Oh, you yeah. got yeah. on the Joe Rogan protocol, basically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers protocol. I don't. I, I don't have no five thousand or maybe fifteen thousand dollars to throw around like old Joe, oh, right? So <laughs> you're getting bells. Kettlebells, I mean, battle ropes, I mean, and you know, that, 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 that Aaron Rodgers right there, boy. <laughs> fucking, that guy is the biggest douche. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to punch that yeah, guy that right in the like, fucking throat. That was like two <laughs> balls just hanging uh, in a nut sack. When yeah, they one on Joe sack, Logan, I know. Just, it's like, oh, yeah. God. Uh, just swinging every, back and forth. Everything I ever see on Aaron Rodgers, any video that I come across, I comment every fucking time I go, one Super Bowl, 2010. And then somebody goes, how many of you won? I'm like, well, Eli Manning's won two, one more than Rogers has. So there you fucking go. Bro, Eli. You go. <laughs> Eli. I, I, wanted, Eli's back. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Patrick, I don't know if you saw this with Aaron Rodgers, where in the news he's touting ayahuasca and he went down and did a trip and it's yeah. changed his perspective on thinking and he's much in a, more calm now. Mm, and nice. Just kind of the ego bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I, I haven't heard about that, but I, it doesn't surprise me. 
Like it's an odd thing because it's you know Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this guy, the ego on this guy is immense. Yeah, and ayahuasca, which is you know, an ego buster. Yeah. And they met, and fucking Rodgers won. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it really, it really says a lot. Yeah. It does. <laughs> like uh, I'm not doing ayahuasca. There's this weird phenomena with psychedelics where it's not even weird. I think if I can get kind of woo or whatever about it for a minute, but I've taken plenty of psychedelics and, and anyone else here who has as well, there's this thing where like, yeah, you have this like ego dissolving ego death experience. If you take enough mushrooms or you take ayahuasca, you have this intense, like harrowing even experience on this drug and you're just like communing with nature. And it's just like, whoa, like, you know, he puts everything in perspective and it's like life changing and all that. But then after you come out of that experience, you're like, holy shit, I know the truth. I know <laughs> I just can't the meaning it. of everything. <laughs> right, and this grandiosity <laughs> sets in where you're like, I'm going to save the world or I'm going to tell everybody the secret, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing that I think like community, if we had actual community, would actually help temper. Be like, yo, you had a great experience, but you need to like understand... <laughs> Like, yeah, just, like, wash the dishes and chill the fuck out. Like, take a shower, calm down, like, hold the baby, you know, go on a walk. Like, just calm down. Um, But here, you know, you have someone like Aaron Rodgers has a huge platform who's obviously has an enormous ego. Like, yes, I'm sure he had his own version of an ego death on ayahuasca, and I'm sure it's calmed him down. I'm sure it helped him put things in perspective. But if he has the same access to resources, wealth, and influence that he had prior to the trip then he's just going to channel that feeling he had into another form of narcissism. Mm -hmm. And that's like what happens. I think that happens to a lot of people. They have the money to go on this ayahuasca trip where they get to like talk to so-called indigenous healers who are basically just acting as if like they're putting on this sort of play for them. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, you're in this indigenous ritual. We're going to do a ritual. And it's like, not that those things aren't real, but they often cater them specifically to Westerners and people of the global north that can afford to fly down to fucking Peru and spend right. five thousand or however many thousands of dollars to go to a, 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 like a resort, and then they come out of it and they're like, "Oh my god, I had this such a spiritual journey," and they didn't even touch the thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just a form of colonialism, honestly. So. You know, we did a podcast. It's yeah. been on about a year or so ago about that. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few, like, I had this sort of shift where I love psychedelics and I will always speak highly of them as a positive, potentially positive experience. But, like, there was a turn in my podcast where I decided to interview somebody who, like, had a really critical view of the ayahuasca kind mm. of thing, the industrial, what do you want to call it? Tourism industry, basically. Right. And, um, after that, I started like interviewing other people who had more critical views of the corporatization of psychedelics, like how it's become like with like with the weed thing, like we're talking about the weed. <laughs> right. It's yeah. so cool. You can just walk into a dispensary, but there are people making millions of dollars off that shit. And there are still however many people still in fucking prison for prison. selling weed. Yeah, I know you that, huh? yeah. Yeah. So like nothing really substantial has changed systemically. It's just some people now can make money. And so the same thing is going to happen with, I guarantee, as soon as the uh, MDMA trials end and as soon as 
you know, they start legalizing it for therapy and all this stuff, you're going to see a lot of people make a lot of fucking money. Because you're already seeing that. There's investors already. They're like, oh, we're getting ready for the big, yeah, big business of yeah. psychedelics here, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I, not to be like too judgmental because I, you know, everything's, it's different for every person, but I think psychedelics are kind of like, you get out like what you put in. So if, mm. if you're kind of like Aaron Rodgers, it's just really a shallow egomaniac. You're yeah. maybe not going to have quite as deep of a, experience that really blows you away because you might just not think like that you know it works with what yeah. you got yeah yeah and uh yeah. you know there are it's, it's yeah it, it doesn't stop people from being awful unfortunately <laughs> we want we want to we want to you know we want a quick fix i think we want we want the yeah. thing that'll fix people of their psychopathy their their uh whatever the word I'm trying to say is there, there's, there's their ego and everything. Um, but there isn't. And <laughs> yeah, so um, silver bullet. Yeah. It's just, I mean, people are crazy, man. Have people you, have you guys crazy. ever heard of uh, Nick Fuentes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's crazy that, yeah, that shitty yeah, little yeah, white yeah. nationalist yeah. piece of shit kid. I, yeah. I never heard what he said before. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I actually listened to a clip and he was talking about like, man, we want women in the, in the house, we don't want them to have jobs, mm -hmm. like kill all the L. Then I just transgender folks, L B G T Q. He wants to kill everybody. This dude said, We don't want to go back to 1999, we want to go back to 1099. That <laughs> motherfucker is crazy, yeah, right. But what I'm saying is that think about how crazy he is, and then think about the fact he has a large following, right? Yeah, that mm -hmm. last conference that he had. And uh, what's her name? Marjorie, Marjorie Green. Yeah, yeah. She was there. Mm -hmm. So he's not small potatoes, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about how many people out there that are fucked up like that, right? I don't give a damn if you, you give them all the psychedelics in the world. That's not going to change them. they just pieces of shit. That's standing with Aaron Rodgers. These cats are not going... You got you to gotta realize there's something wrong with you in order to change, right? And these Absolutely. cats... They don't see themselves as being wrong in any way, shape, or form. No yeah. way. So he might have just did it. I think he probably just did it for the experience. Just to have a talking point. Like, I did this, or I did that, or I went here. This. So he just did something. I think he did something unique just to do something that he knew none of the other guys on the team were going to do, right? So in a way, for me, it was like his expression of his superiority. You're not on my conscious level. So... I know you're not going to do something like this. You went to Hawaii, right? Or you went to Miami. Or you went to the Bahamas or, or Fiji or whatever. Right? Yeah. I went and got high. Like, just like I said, it's kind of like a tourist thing, right? It's not regular. It just gave him the ability to have a good talking point, whether he's at a cocktail uh, engagement or if he's at a bar. He can always talk about something like that. And he'll be seen as unique because he's mm -hmm. a very individualist person. Like you said, he's very narcissistic. So that's mm -hmm. all I see as far as that is concerned. Um, yeah. If you gave my man Nick Fuentes, he's still gonna be an asshole, you know. I think it's just like 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 Colin was saying. I think it's just an expression of who you are as far as how how the drugs gonna affect you, yeah. right? Like my yeah. father used to get high all the time, right? My 1970s Los Angeles, he wasn't the only one. He grew his weed on his balcony of his apartment, right? He wasn't the only one. So, but he did as relaxation. He was the same guy when he was high. I mean, he would be playing chess and be smoking weed at the same time. 
You know, that's just how he got down. So it wasn't like he was wild. In fact, they would all do that. Like all his friends, you know, they would sit around and philosophize and women. You know, I mean, that's, that's what they would do. So it was different. Yeah. It was different times. But I, I don't think that. I don't think somebody like Aaron Rodgers or Nick Fuentes or any of these folks, man. I think they're all pieces of shit, to be quite honest with you. They can take all the drugs they want, yeah. not take all the drugs they want. They're just assholes. Yeah. And there's That's like the another end of it where I'm someone who doesn't do any drugs, and I mm-hmm. see people that do, and they say, oh, it could save the world. Like, yeah. what is that? How do people think exactly. that? Thanks. Fuck you, yeah. that. I've heard that shit before, too. That's what I'm saying, right? I mean, yeah. Marjorie Green, you gonna give her some psychedelics and all of a sudden she gonna get conscious about whatever the fuck? The woman's an idiot. You know, <laughs> I, I think I, the thing I hate most about these people is they, uh, in fact, mention Aaron Rodgers, right? He's supposed to be so conscious and smart, right? So he was, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, uh, immunized or whatever, right? So he's on Joe, I don't know if you saw when Joe talked to him about, you know, like his uh, uh, protocol for, uh, for the Rona, but he was like, well, you know, he was allergic to someone, uh, some, something that's in uh, the vaccine. So he said, that's why I didn't take, which I didn't believe. I think that's bullshit. Uh, then he said, like, uh, blood clots from, uh, uh, I'm a journal, what is it? Uh, Jack, Jack Johnson's Johnson, right? So he said, well, he went to these cats and they gave him a different protocol to follow. And then he said, well, it had like a little bit of the uh, uh, Rona in it. And then, it, and then Joe Rumble was like, well, what, what did it all consist of? He said, I don't know. I can't tell you. <laughs> so how in the fuck are you going to talk about the vaccine, but you don't go microdose this shit from some fool? Come on, man. Come on. I don't even think he took nothing. I don't think he took shit. I think he just, like, lying. All right? I mean, he lied before, and he's lying now. So what I'm saying is that if, if he was conscious, he would change at least some part of his attitude, but he was the same person before psychedelics as he was afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... I mean, people are fascists. They take they take it. Doesn't stop them from being fascists. It's just, it's look. I mean, again, I've had some of the most mind bending experiences ever, and I'm grateful for them. Like yeah, I, I had an experience where I was like, I know it sounds weird. I was at an experience where I was Jesus Christ, and I was on the cross, and I felt complete love and empathy for every single motherfucker ever. I had love spewing out of me like as light like and that was my trip. I was sitting on a toilet in a bathroom having that trip. That's what it did and I felt like unconditional love for everybody. Um but, Yeah, that's who you are though. Yeah. Right? I mean that doesn't see, shock me, right? I mean I mean like yeah. maybe to that not that high degree when you on psychic yeah. does, but that's like your your natural aura, that's your persona, right? Yeah. So that doesn't shock me. But the thing is you come out of that and you think everybody could have that. And that's just not true, unfortunately. Right. right. Um, I I want to pivot. I know they got high yeah. when they were pieces of shit. They were pieces of shit when they got high, right? Mm-hmm. Dudes that are belligerent, they you put some in them, they gonna get more belligerent. I've seen cats get poked up, and all of a sudden they want some of them want to fight, you know, or get yep. drinking them or whatever it may be. Most times it's gonna just bring out your true persona even worse. They might mm-hmm. even kick Aaron Rodgers the fuck out of here. Say, man, get the fuck out of here. You might put more of an asshole once you got he took psychedelics and shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly, clearly the boomers didn't all drop acid in the sixties <laughs> and then and then fix the world. So Dude, there know. was an article that came out in Mil it was like Marine Mil it was like Military Times or something. It was some years ago. They had an article where it was written by someone in the I think they were in the Marines and they were like, Hey, you know what? 
we should figure out a way to microdose LSD for uh, members of the military to better um, interpret um, data because, you know, a lot of data comes in, they need to figure out what to do with that information. And there's so much spilling in, like, what, how do we organize it, you know, and like, it's only so much that one person or, or several people can do. Well, if you microdose them with LSD, their ability to focus increases, right? Because microdosing can do that, right? It doesn't get you high, you don't have an actual like hallucinogenic experience, but it, it puts you just in a higher state of consciousness of focus, where you can like interpret data faster and better. And that's true. Like, you know, you take a little bit of psilocybin, a little bit of, of uh, LSD. Yeah, your your focus is amazing. In fact, you have Silicon Valley, you know, types that are like microdosing psilocybin, microdosing LSD. And they're like, man, I am such a better, I'm so much more efficient at working. I can figure shit out so much better. And I'm like, you know, the capitalists and the military can figure out how to take something like that and turn it into a way to make them more efficient and to make more profit. And so I'm like, okay, this is all right. It's over. You know, we're done. <laughs> Just put it away. Like the the promise of the free love and and you know utopia that that people had out of like the '60s or whatever is just a it's a delusion. You know, I've, that's I've never what, microdosed. That's I've only macro dosed. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't know how to <laughs> just tear a little. It's like a fraction of a fraction of the normal amount you would take. You know, right. Um, right. Yeah, but I actually I wanted I wanted to ask this from Colin because on Facebook I think uh, the last person that we had on uh, with us in the last episode was Jessica, and I think she was talking about that documentary series on Netflix about Woodstock '99. Was that the year that it happened? Yeah, Woodstock '99. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I watched it. So, Colin, you commented <laughs> under it, I believe, right? You were talking yeah, about I, it. Did you go? I was I was at it the whole weekend. Yeah, from like How? Thursday night until Monday morning. Can you? So, can you? Wow. Please, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just tell us about that. I have so many. I have so many questions, and and I just it was like every episode I watched was watching with my partner. And we're like, oh, this is getting really bad. Oh, this is really really bad. And then by the final episode, I'm like, wow, this is. I cannot believe yeah. this happened, so, and I didn't know about it. Yeah. So like at first, I you know I didn't want to go, but uh, a boomer friend of mine, like a really close friend, was like, oh, you should go. Like, you know, it's like a ch chance of a lifetime, basically. And uh, I so I went to it and, you know, with a few friends and and I, I feel like the documentary is kind of, you know, like there were definitely horrible things that happened there that came out in retrospect or that. Um, but, you know, on the ground at the actual festival, you weren't really hearing about like rapes or sexual assaults and stuff. Um, sure. So yeah. a lot of that what that you know is very dramatic in documentaries and makes it seem like just this giant rape festival kind of thing was not what occurred to you on the ground while you were there like my the girls that were with our group like weren't mm -hmm. uncomfortable as far as i could tell they'd never said they were anyway right and um but yeah overall it was just hot and shitty and feeling like you're being exploited for every dime that they can get out of you all weekend and then you know, even the ATMs ran out of money. So you would like stand in line for an hour in the sun on tarmac to get to the ATM and then it wouldn't have any money. Um, so then you couldn't go buy your like $6 bottle of water. Uh, so then you were like, do I just not drink water or do I drink the water that has shit in it? 
Yeah, because the and water the water had shit in it, right? Visibly shit. Like wow. After one of the raves one night where I had been filling up my water bottle from the the free fountains, like I in the morning after it had been sitting in my tent overnight, I like picked it up and you could just see like brown sediment at the bottom. Ah, fuck. <laughs> and so I'm like super surprised I didn't get E. coli because it seems like you definitely would and lots of people did but uh wow yeah um yeah so i mean there are crazy stories of the riots and stuff i like we went and wandered around like i i did not feel at all bad when vendors started getting their shit burned and looted i was just like this is what happens when you treat people like this you get your shit burned and looted eventually especially when you're all contained in a little like uh you know, refugee camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Three days, yeah. like nonstop alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 came, I just moved to New York, moved to New York in 98. Um, that's when I was a young 20, 27 year old, I think. Uh, <laughs> whole world in front of you. Yeah. I had my whole world in front of me. But uh, when I felt the energy for something like that um, or the inclination, but I, I did have a friend who was, you know, wanted me to go and I was again young and I just moved to New York and you know it's um it was kind of I'm you know obviously glad I didn't um but I I remember hearing talking to people at the get back and they were um they mentioned what a shit show it was but uh but all what, what they really focused on a lot was the exploitation which is really yeah. just yeah fuck like I th- those are stories I heard I haven't seen a movie. I know there's a lot of shit that happened there that was pretty terrible. Like you were saying, like it's, I don't know, maybe wasn't as prevalent as they made it out to be, but. Um, well, the, the, like the, like the number of signs that said, show us your tits or the number of times you heard that screamed by different sizes of groups of men, um, you know, that was very common. So it's not, like that vibe the whole it was a very like bro frat boy vibe to the whole Trent durst yeah <laughs> and, but it i i just mean it didn't you know as a man i obviously can't really comment on how it felt for women there but like the the girls that were with us like they didn't come like screaming up to us like we've got to leave or like mm-hmm. this terrible thing happened you know um yeah but in retrospect, you know, when all the police reports got logged and everything, it, you know, it's pretty clear, like a lot of bad things were really going on, um, mm. which I guess you would expect with the the general vibe of the male population. But I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a conflicting thing. Like, in it was horrible while we were there. Like, it was just hot and uncomfortable and like my favorite parts were like the raves at night because it finally like cooled down enough you could like enjoy yourself and not just try not to die a heat stroke all the time um but yeah but in retrospect like i'm kind of glad i went it was you know it was it was something for sure like it it was an experience (laughs) it's historical i I don't remember the band i I remember the chili peppers had that fire thing which was one of the many bad, terrible decisions. Yeah, like I literally couldn't believe that happened because we were at the, you know, we were standing in the crowd for the Chili Peppers show and there were already fires starting and they had had to like stop the show and tell everybody like, you've got to move out of the way to let a fire engine in here. 
um, <laughs> but it but it but it never came right so in the in one of the documentaries that I watched about it they the the promoters were actually talking about it like Michael Lang and his buddies are sitting there and they're like yeah the fire department refused to go in there because because mm. it was already getting so riotous and they because they're were, smart well yeah anybody anybody that had any authority like at one point they told everybody to like take their laminates off take their name their shirts off uh do not let anybody out there know that you're associated with like the employees of the festival yeah. um because you'd be like in danger so i think the fire department was just like nope you guys created this it's up to you to figure it out wow you know so they so they didn't come and put out the fires and we thought that that meant that it was just going to be done um, but then the Chili Peppers came back out and, yeah, covered fire by Jimi Hendrix, which just <laughs> seems like complete enticement, you know, and it even it yeah. did while I was standing there. I'm like, you guys are bringing this on on purpose. Like, yeah. And then their their excuses that, oh, well, we we told Jimi Hendrix's sister we'd do this as a tribute to him. So. Uh, but it did not. Rather it was convenient. not rather convenient. Yeah, I it, think. it was. It was not interpreted like that by anybody that was there. <laughs> yeah, it seems like from the well, just the documentary, the organizers of it. So there was the guy who was the he was one of the original organizers of the first Woodstock. Michael Lang. Michael yeah. Lang. Yeah, and then like there was the, the other guy, the organizer. Yeah, then there was the one guy who's like, I'm a promoter and I know how to make a lot of money off these things, and he's the one that kind of cut all the corners, and there was. And it was just one of those things where they were trying to like show or ask them questions like, how do you feel about how all this happened? And they just refused to take responsibility for how bad yeah. it got. It was that same like bad apples argument. Oh, there was a few bad people in the crowd. They were doing some bad stuff. They were vandalizing. They were attacking people. And I'm just like, uh, you know, the whole the whole setup from the beginning was uh, was not going to end well, it seemed like. No, like in, in every one of the Woodstocks they did, like, you know, the original one in 69, and then they did 94 and 99, every time they thought they were going to make profit. And they mm -hmm. kind of got more more desperate to make profit each time. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately, that never happened. They lost <laughs> money massively every time. And uh, Peace I and love doesn't, to, don't sell. Yeah, I, I like to think I'm a small part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're welcome Woodstock I, I forgot there's one in 94 geez I can't I can't even remember I know. that was all nine inch that was nine inch nails and green day and an actual mud that wasn't made out of shit oh, amazing yeah. <laughs> amazing yeah, I don't remember the 99 lineup Limp but... Biscuit did 99 didn't they yeah yeah did they do like wreck shit and that kind of just tipped the whole fucking <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a very angry crowd like that, you know, like you'd expect at Olympus. It was like a crazy yeah. mosh pit. I just stood. I stayed far away from it. But uh, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it, I wouldn't say like it was it was Fred Durst's fault either because the no, it was full um, blown by the time they went on. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it like, honestly, the real rioting and burning of stuff didn't start for like 24 hours after he was yeah. done you know it, but the ball was rolling yeah it <laughs> was rolling here. rolling downhill faster and faster yeah. the whole time like yeah. Uh, yeah i just wanted to hear your experiences on that very historical thing 
It was uh, it was interesting to watch the documentary. I'm like, wait, am I gonna see Colin in there? Am I gonna see Colin? Well, it's in crazy that how, you know, I I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's been as long since that that time as it was when I was 19. Then, wow. You know, or, yeah. or actually, I think yeah. I was just I was I wasn't. I was still 18. I was about to turn 19 because mm-hmm. I it was like in July and I turned 19 in September. So isn't it weird that 99 yeah. was so what is it? Oh, it's been over 20 years. It's been 23. That's amazing, right? It's weird. The 90s are kind of to now like seeming like the 50s to me, like or the 50s were like it's like this mythical era, you know, where things like <laughs> seemed good, you know, like oh they were good, but like no, they were shit. Like if you lived it, yeah. it wasn't yeah, we were good. we were still angry. Like Nirvana was my favorite band and shit, you know, like it wasn't like we were all mm-hmm. peace and love back then either. You know? No, no I yeah. Was... I mean, I was in my 20s, so, you know, you're in your 20s. I was in the Toad the Wet Sprocket, so I was real mellow. <laughs> <laughs> the Spin Doctors. The Spin Oh, fuck, the I hate that band. <laughs> I fucking hate that band. Yeah. Jim Blossoms. Jim oh, Blossoms. Man. <laughs> Smash Mouth. <laughs> oh, God. Mm. Fucking Smash Mouth. Oh, my God. <sighs> Yeah. Oh, well, going to 90s. Yeah. Well, guys, were. I got to uh I got to head out to my uh my ham radio class here now. Oh my god. So, uh, oh man, I'd like to hear more about the ham radio. That's what Forrest is talking on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that when the internet collapses and we can't use the Zoom any longer, we're going to have to record or not record, but broadcast Attack and Dethrone on some like pirate radio, ham radio shit yeah. with Colin, yeah, yeah. no, I've I, I've always wanted to get into it ever since like pump up the volume with Christian Slater. When That's I was, right, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, when he was like, my dad, my dad bought me this ham radio set so I could talk to my friends back east. But like, turns out it's extremely hard to talk to people on the east coast without like relaying it through the internet or something, which is mm-hmm. like cheating, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I'm, my dad. Okay, was... so... Go ahead. No, go ahead, boy. No, I was saying my dad was into it, so like. I, I was just thought it was like kind of uncool because he was into it, you know. Like, like oh, dad likes it. My my yeah. wife thinks it's kind of uncool. She yeah. she thinks it's very yeah, whatever, uncool. She's man. like, oh, more old person shit. She'll you know, see. Like, she'll know how cool it is soon Are you enough. A trucker? Someday she'll see. <laughs> yeah. No, I wanted to put a CB in my truck, and she was oh, like, yeah, "What the man. fuck, man? Like breaker one night." Oh well, I yeah, I'm. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, and we should try to we should try to do a try to broadcast a ham radio these. episode. Yeah, ham radio. <laughs> yeah, totally I would love that. Yeah, or CBs. I'm done with CBs too. CBs. Yeah. 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 CBs. CBs are fun. Walkie talkies. We'll, we'll buy ham radios for everybody or whatever. Maybe wow, we can do that. Yeah. I just want to die before we go to Morse code or some shit like that. <laughs> Dude, like I I have a. You know, I've programmed all the repeaters around here into like a little portable radio I have. And like, I'll just let it scan at my desk during work sometimes. And dudes still do Morse code. Like you'll catch people broadcasting Morse code. Like Really? Wow. They, they, yeah. they, they get ahead of the game. Ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They will inherit the earth. <laughs> oh, man. Hey Forrest, uh, I, I, I want to hear about your uh, ex, your experiment with uh, oh with no the air whole summer in Houston with no AC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, somebody. No, I did it, man. I can't imagine that. That seems crazy. Oh, yeah. No, I gotta, no, I gotta no, no. bounce, it, guys. It was, so I will talk to you all, all right. later. Bye, Colin. Talk to you later, man. Be clear, man. Come on, come on. Okay. So, so, what was it? A year and a half ago now, we had the ice storm here in in Houston, Texas, or in Texas, and and uh, Ted Cruz ran down to. What do you go, Mexico? Cancun. Yeah. For a week. Yeah, Cancun. Yeah, went down there, had them tight-ass jeans on, that belly, dragging that suitcase with his big ass. Yeah, that, so I was in my car with my dogs trying to stay warm, right? Trying to make sure my dogs didn't die because I had my little diabetic dog, Pippo, passed away. So I had to come in, check on her, and I couldn't keep her in the car because she'd get, get something shit all night. So anyhow, so I said, hmm. We're getting close to the end here. And I'm 49 years old. And I want to see if I still got some wherewithal in me. I'm not talking about like work out or anything like that. I mean, like, can I tough it out? You know? And I'm like, you know, I'm gonna try it. And so what I did was I live in a I live in a townhouse. So it's three stories. So really, I don't think I could have done it if I was living in like a a, a one story or just like you know, like a regular house because all that heat would have been cloistered on top of me. But it's kind of like just um, um, like physics and dynamics, all that shit. So the heat rises. So all I did was just stay on the down floor for the most part, right? That was it. Mm. So I, had, I took uh, one of my mattresses and I uh, sat it down here on my box spring, sat it down here, slept on that. And uh, that was it, man. I went upstairs to clean up or whatever and, you know, get my clothes or whatnot, but I really just, just stayed on the first floor. And then how, I how opened up the doors. Huh? How long did you do it for? Oh, I just, I just started running the, the AC now. I was doing it from uh, the beginning of the summer, which was, which was uh, Memorial Day all the way to Labor Day. Wow. Oh, damn, man. Yeah. No, it was just an interesting experiment, you know, because we stay all the time. In fact, that's like a, a, a common thing down here. Like, man, I, I don't know if I can do it at AC. Now, I don't know if I can do it out there. Yeah. But I was like, man, you know what? That's a luxury we only recently had, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like recently in the human experience. So I did want to see, like, how bad it would be. But it's like most of it now, I'm not going to go crazy with it. You know, some of these temperatures that we're seeing now, you know, it's insane across the, across the globe. And we all know why that is. But I do realize that a lot of the... Uh, eccentricities that we have going on here is not going to be here forever. So, I mean, I don't know. We have another 10 years, man, to be quite honest with you. I'd be shocked. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. I'd be shocked before something catastrophic happens. Me, I'm planning for civil war, right? I mean, we're just so divided now that there's no coming back. To, it never was like that. I mean, we've always been divided. It's just more honest and open about it right now, right? Because everybody's strapped financially, uh, climate is going crazy, food, inflation, all those things are just now starting to, to come to a head. So, you know, so I'm just really just trying to, in my life anyhow, just figure out, like, okay, well, what is it that I can live with, can't, can't live with, and what it is that I can live without, right? So, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I won't do it again, but I just wanted to see if I could do it, right? Just to see if I had the mental wherewithal to actually do something like that and not like quit after a week 
or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but it was it was interesting. But I mean, I, I sweated. I mean, I sweated. I mean, you guys in the last podcast, you know, I was sweating. I don't want to say that. Like, I want to get to the end of the summer, and then I, then I say it. But you know. mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's on blast now. <laughs> on blast now. <laughs> Fuck that. I didn't realize you were doing <laughs> it for so long. I, I thought it was like a, for like a week. I didn't realize you were doing mm-hmm. it for like months, mm-hmm. man. That's just yeah. I mean, that's uh, I know it's crazy. I know it's oh, crazy. I mean, how was I mean, like you know, like how was it overall? Like you said, you wouldn't do it again. I understand that, but like you think like I just want to see if you can acclimate to something, right? Yeah. Adaptability, right? Because I do realize like, you know, like in 10 years, I might have to leave here because the weather's so bad. Like if I might die of heat stroke, you know, I'm 49, I'll be 50. It's still in relatively good shape, you know, so mentally, mm-hmm. physically, and the whole nine. So mm-hmm. um, it wasn't that difficult. It's like anything, once you get used to it, it becomes like a routine, you know, and your mind kind of gets away from it. You know, it's a serious commitment, though. I mean, I used to live in Florida and similar climate, and like the lows yeah. at night would be like 85. So, I mean, yeah. the thing would be running all night. So, when yeah. you're, it's not like you're getting a break out in Houston in the yeah. summer. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I did, I did have ventilation, right? Like I said, I have windows here, and I open them up, and then I get that breeze coming through sometimes. So, it wasn't that bad. Plus, I did have a fan. Plus, I did have a fan. The way I set it up was, um, I kind of had it at the windows, so whatever cool air at night would come through, and I would just use that to, to I guess, not die. But yeah, I mean, it was hot. It was hot, but so just get used to it, man. This is what I do. I charge these on a solar panel every day, and then I put this mm-hmm. thing that's a fan right by my right by my face mm-hmm. when I go to bed because I sleep, you know, in a yurt. There's in my yurt, it's a what's a gear. There's no there are no windows. There's a little dome you can sort of open on the top, and we leave the door kind of open. We put a screen in front of it so no skunks come in. But then I have this fan, and I lay, and I put it basically, yeah, by my head. And then I, mm-hmm. sometimes I have two. I put one down by my torso because mm-hmm. June through, well, really September even is pretty brutal here. So I went for the month of June back to my folks in the midwest and i'm like i think i might do june july august because the older (laughs) i get i've been living without air conditioning for about 11 years now but it's like it's not getting any cooler and Mm. it's it's the humidity and you know the things you acclimate to are like when we moved to phoenix it was just so nice to have the sun out all the time we were like oh my god sunlight but then after like you know 10 years like i could really use a fucking cloudy day um so <laughs> the thing i've acclimated to it, it, is more of living with pests like i mm-hmm. lived in a house it was very clean and you know I, w- I used to walk into a room and i would look in the corner of the ceilings to see if there were any like bugs or spiders or anything and i would fucking take care of that shit i live in a fucking tent made of blankets and sticks and I guarantee you there's fucking critters running all over the goddamn way. Every once in a while, I just reach in the dark and throw something off my face. It's probably some daddy long leg or something. But that's the biggest thing that's changed in my life. I have just gotten used to pests because I'm surrounded by bugs and rodents. I live in, yeah. in the desert in a tent. You can't escape that shit. It's, yeah. That's the biggest yeah. thing I've overcome. In my, for me personally, all my sort of is my bug phobia. Um, and snake, I broke up a snake fight the other day. 
two snakes were fighting <laughs> and I stepped in as <laughs> like that snake is trying to eat this snake. Oh, come on. I took a broom and flipped one. I'm like, I would have gotten 20 feet of this 10 years ago. Yeah, I, hear that. I just, I, it's amazing. I sometimes I'm blown away by myself. I'm like, wow, I just walked up to a snake fight. <laughs> I remember one time it was uh, when I was in Brazil and um, it was it was summer and it was fucking hot and humid. You know, it's like a tropical, like humid environment. And I was just not I was not used to that. It was winter here. It was yeah. winter in the north and then, you know, summer down there. So you get there and you're like, oh, man, my body is fucked up. And there was um, one night where the it got so hot. It was like a heat. It was like a dome of humidity. I don't know how to. It just felt like you were trapped in a sauna. The entire area was just like hot and humid all night. And for whatever reason, I guess everybody that had a AC, which most people don't, but anyone who had it was using it. So there was like brownouts happening. Yeah. So like the power would like come on, and then it would fl- like you would see the lights flicker and come down and on like the fans wouldn't work and it was it was i mean it was one night but it was incredibly it was really 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 uncomfortable like you could not cool down and the only thing that saved me was like i went to the freezer and found a a, like a big liter bottle of coca-cola coca-cola bottle that was full of like frozen water and I like mm-hmm. took that to bed and like slept with it next to my yeah. face. I was like, oh, like I was like, thank God I found this. Like, it, yeah. you know, and that's the thing, right? Is like more people are going to use AC because it's getting so fucking hot, right? And um, you know, these grids can't take that, and so it just like was a tiny taste of what it would feel like to be in a, in a heat wave without AC, without any power. Um, yeah, and that. That was, yeah, that was kind of... Well, that's going to be interesting when that starts to happen here. I, I went through the same thing when I was in Nicaragua. I was there in the in June, and it they had brownouts. And I literally would get up about every two hours, just step in the shower, get soaked, not wash, rinse off, and just lay back. And then we would go lay in the courtyard because it was slightly cooler outside. And I was like, holy fuck. It's amazing. I don't know how people can do this, but... Yeah. Like you Forrest said, you you know, you get to a point where you just start to it's just the way it is. But yeah. the psychological reaction of when it happens in this country, especially places like out here in the southwest, where you just go from your air-conditioned house to your air-conditioned car to your air-conditioned job and back and forth, and you barely have to step outside. And you know, when if they start having these rolling fucking brownouts and people are gonna lose their fucking minds in a hurry. I mean, I know here oh, yeah. West. They're saying that we have one of the oldest power grids in the country. Yeah. To me, it's a, it's a symptom of empire. Don't invest yeah. in your own. Just constantly going and exploiting others overseas while exploiting your own population right. in other ways. And it's like, so I had I had this idea that I was like, I'm going to get a generator in my house. You know, I'm going to set this up and I'm going to use that as an investment. People invest in stuff. I'm going to invest in this. So like, I had this guy come out give me an estimate. And I realized after that estimate, I'll never, it's will never happen how expensive it is, but I wanted to pick his brain a little bit. Cause he's like part of this alternative energy company. So he was telling me, he's like, actually these electric cars put more stress on the grid. Grids didn't expect electric cars to be plugged into them. It's going to be a problem when they're telling people to go electric. So it's like this situation, like we always say, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't like, 
have a gas yeah. car, heat up the planet, have a gas, you know, have an electric car, fry out the grid and exploit more minerals in the in the earth. So it's just yeah. It makes you yeah. wonder what <laughs> how people are gonna handle that in the future. Because yeah. it's coming. Well, and um, I just want to just say also, yeah. you know, Rob, Rob and I were in the Pacific Northwest, so these heat waves that the one last year was fucking gnarly. I didn't live here yet, yeah. but it was gnarly. So like there were people that died from heat stroke in Portland, right? Because it was yeah. o- it was over 110 degrees for several days and people don't have AC there because they've never needed it. It's like so, London. Wait, yeah, AC in yeah, London. London was baked, <laughs> dude. Like people were dying because they, they're like, what? This is not, we don't have the infrastructure for this. No. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that um you know uh those kind of issues coming up because places that just traditionally have never had heat waves are going to have them every year Um, and the companies aren't going to pay for upgraded infrastructure they're going to make you know so like and people are going to be willing to do it because they're just going to want their old lives back right yeah not not, not happening i mean i watched a documentary called uh Sand Wars. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It was talking about how, like, asphalt, concrete, we need sand for that shit, right? Mm-hmm. Not to mention petroleum, they'll actually make it. But you can't even get sand, like, let's say the Sahara Desert, right? And I thought about this, like, it, they, it's the wind on it blows it so much that the sand is very, uh, uh, doesn't have any texture to it, right? Mm. So what they need is, like, real sand that hasn't been tainted i guess by being like in the elements so a lot of times what they'll do is they'll go to like the coastline and they'll get a lot of sand i think it was like thailand a lot of places in southeast asia they get to the sand from and with also the way that water levels are rising right the oceans are rising that doesn't help the situation so they're starting to run out of actual sand that they need that we need here to build all this concrete all this infrastructure and the whole nine so that can't that that can't continue Right, the biggest lie I ever I ever heard is when people tell people in the global south that they can live like this if I don't know they have better economic system or whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, no nah, man, because this is one thing I know. It's like when I was growing up in Los Angeles, right? And I realized this: the promise that they gave us is that we could, I guess, turn the hood into like some middle class oasis, right? And Compton and Linwood, where I grew up, and Long Beach, well, North Long Beach, where I grew up, because South Long Beach, that's going into Orange County, so that's kind of nice. But you tell people, like, well, if you have this economic base, you'll be able to build all this stuff yourself in your community. And I realized, no, the only way that we could do that is if we took all the resources from the white communities and invest them in, not the money, the actual resources. And now I know the conduit to get it is money. Don't get me wrong. But at the end, end of the day, money does number the conduit to get us the shit that we need, right? Food, water, gas, whatever. So we would have to grab all y'all shit. And then it, all the outer regions that were the suburbs would be all fucked up. And then the inner city would be good. Or we would have to kick all y'all asses out. <laughs> and we live where you are, and then you come back. See, there's just not enough to be spread around. It's impossible. Right. You ain't gonna have no three thousand square foot house with a pool in the back in every house in Linwood where I grew up. It's just impossible, you know. Yeah. So I think that's just the biggest lie, you know. And I think that's what I wanted to, and I did kind of want to see what it's like to experience from from the position of somebody who doesn't have like this one luxury that I took away from myself, right? 
You know, yeah. how does it feel to actually live in over a hundred degree heat? Like get a feel for it. You know, so I'm glad I'm not I'm not glad. I I, I took that upon myself. So I don't feel bad about that one. I wouldn't wish the grid going down here in Texas doing that cold front because you're talking about kids and things of that nature. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that we learned nothing from all of this all that all that came from that. I mean, it's the same same as it was before. You know, like even uh what was the recent school shooting? Uh Valde, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, we ain't learn shit, man. People forgot about that just as quickly as anything, man. They passed some shit bill that's not gonna stop anybody from getting a gun just to make themselves feel good so they can sleep well at night. We, we mm. all know it'd be just as easy to get. At, they just had shooting. Uh, There's I one think in, in Arizona. Arizona. In Ben too. Okay, you saw he he worked at that store. He came out of the apartment shooting, went into the store. Killed two folks, and then he shot himself. Right? Didn't he shoot himself eventually? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was planning think, on going to the high school, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he was a strange kid, and he had a lot of problems. But people act like these things are like mental issues. Like, you know, like it, th- these are things that are happening because of the society that we have, not because of they just inherent in him, and we live in a good society, right? Because the kid was talking about killing folks back in the day. They, I read a, a article. They said that. People at school said the same thing they said about it. They called him shooter. He threatened to shoot people. He was a loner. He's isolated. Nick Fuente couldn't get no girlfriend. That's the type of dude that followed that dude like Nick Fuente. That's what he wants. I mean, like, he wants to go back to the time when you could just come here, girl, grab a woman, and then just have her, take her, beat the shit out of her, and then just go on about your business or keep her or just have her live in perpetual fear. Because that was one of the things they said. He didn't have a girlfriend and he felt. He felt bad about that. He felt alone in each and every way. So that had nothing to do, do with, okay, well, he would be like this even if he had everything that he wished he would have had, popularity, a woman, shit job. At, at, he, he, was, uh, he wasn't even like a cashier at the store. He was one of the cats that had to go out and get the, uh, get the baskets. So yeah, he's like the lowest of the low. So he eventually, eventually went off, right? So I do think that these people have mental issues, but people need to start looking at the society that's bringing these issues upon people. Like I remember I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan and some cat talked about homelessness. Hmm. And I'll be totally honest with you guys. There are a few people that noticed. I have, a, I have an older brother. He ended up homeless and uh, he's institutionalized right now. In Los Angeles. I can't find him because once you're in the system, it, it, I tell you, unless you leave a... a a note or something or let the doctors know that you can tell where they're at they don't give up the information me and my uncle we think that we found out where he's at and we talked to his counselor but he couldn't verify it. but there were like some telltale signs that was like i can't tell you but yeah so and you can't get in to see somebody if they don't want to see you right you got to be like well can he come see me well and, once they, he's catatonic, we think. We think he's all messed up. Now, mm. he wasn't on drugs. He wasn't, you know, he was an addict. He wasn't a drunkard. None of that stuff. He just fell. He lost his job. And he was a, a stenographer, I think, for a city of Long Beach. But he lost his job. Couldn't find another one. Well, I got out of Los Angeles. Escalating costs of housing, right? Fell on hard times, 
from what I gather, he started living in his car. He couldn't take it no more. He finally broke down. All right. People don't deal with that. You know, if you're listening to somebody like Joe Rogan, it's always they on drugs, they're doing this. No, man, it's financial disability that caused you to, to spiral into those things, right? That's the, that's the one focal point that nobody really wants to look at. It's the economics of it. That's why he ended up in the position that he was in. Sad to say, and it's happening to more, more people, you know? I'll tell anybody, when I went out to LA, that was about six, seven years ago, something like that. Um, the one thing I noticed was that all the cars, and there was nowhere to park. And then I realized that reason there's so many cars around all these houses is because you got two or three families living in like one family apartments or yeah. like three families in houses and shit like that. So I think people need to start looking at that more so, so than anything else. The society that we live in, which they're never going to do. When all I was right. in last month, there was... Um, oh, homelessness. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty rampant. And there's RVs everywhere. There's uh, RVs that are clearly people living in them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, in New York, they they push them away and underground, you know, like um Oh, I saw a documentary on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, Freaky. Yeah. It's, Freaky. Um and in New York is like so dense they kind of like, you know, kind of stuff like that. But it was yeah, it was um, you know, I was in Venice, it's like multi-million dollar houses with like homeless encampments on like half the block. Um, yeah, that's, that right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Bill, um, like, I think when you were in that area, I was in Oakland in the Bay Area, and like, you go, you drive around, and you go under these bridges, these overpasses, and there's just tent cities under there. Yeah, like, yeah, huge dozens yeah, when I of drove people. Up, we drove from San Diego up to LA. Every underpass had a, you know, not everyone, but like a pretty good amount. When yeah, you're, it's you're really bad. Like it's it's like really visibly bad. Like it's not. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. You know, I mean, we were staying at this like you know we were staying in Venice and there's this window in the back and there's this there's a lot of these like little kind of adorable little like beach bungalows. You know, probably yeah. people you know like you know the people lived in that area, right? So like uh, there's like multi condos. So I was just kind of curious about. It's like, oh, well, that's cute. So I I went on Zillow. It's like almost two million dollars. Two million dollars yeah. for this fucking like like this bungalow. It's like New York, like even like the crazy in New York. I was like, holy shit, like yeah. that's just insane. Like yeah. and I, that I bungalow? Part of the, like we see this out west too. I mean, where I'm at, Portland area. Oh my gosh. I, it, to me, some of the problems I see is like you have the right that'll Portland's such a hotbed of conversation, right? You have the right that'll say. It's deteriorating. Look at all the drugs, the lawlessness and all. And this is why. But then I see some people that I respect on the left that are out here will say there's no problem at all. And that's where I think uh, yeah. people mm. need to have on the left. Some people on the left need to have an honest conversation. Portland is deteriorating. There is no denying it. If you I, I've only been here four years and I can see it. But Why? Let's have a, I mean, it's a complex issue. It's not one simple reason. And I think that's where people lose, people go to the right then a little bit more because at least the right will say there's a problem here. Yeah. Or some right. people on yeah. the left say, oh, there's no problem. That. They have answers for it, yeah. They're yeah, and it's like, yeah, there is a problem <laughs> here, but let's talk about all the different factors of why there's a problem here because it's not that easy of why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, regardless of how people feel about it, 
and I know there are a lot of different theories about it. I mean, like, as I said before, I was, did I read a book? I think I might start a documentary. Anyhow, the natural land base of Los Angeles, where I grew up, is like 500,000 people, like the maximum, like without having to bring in extra resources and all this other shit, right? Man, when I was in Linwood, and that wasn't like a big city, right? It's like 100,000 people that lived in. Well, yeah, I think like 100,000. He's had this sign, but that was so long ago. It might be at 100,000. Now, anyhow, my point being is that like, that right there in my little Linwood where I live, that was freaking um, um, a fifth of the natural land base of, of Los Angeles, right? You got more people, you got to bring in more resources, right? And you can't build out, you got to build up, right? So, I mean, that, 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 that's it. I mean, I, I, I mean, that is the only answer. But it is no answer because it's, it's damn near impossible, right? So, yeah. you're right. People, it, it isn't an easy issue. I understand. There's some complexities to it, right? But I just, I, I, me personally, I mean, I just can't let it, like, inundate my mind anymore like it did back in the day. Because, I mean, I got to be happy, right? You know, so I do, so I do tailor it back a little bit now. I kind of suspend it just so I can have time to, uh, I guess, lead a, a good and fulfilling life, at least for me. But no, nah, man, it's, it's getting bad out here, you know, yeah. it's getting bad. I mean, we all, we all can agree. It's like, I always know, like, if I'm at work or I'm talking with somebody here in Texas, they're like, well, you always have to keep it, even if you're agreeing at something that is, is getting bad out here. I'm t- I could, if it's not in general aspect, I'd be talking to somebody who thinks that it's good to be walking around with an AK-47 to blow somebody's head off, right? Or some gun nut or some freak. Now, the reason that he thinks things are bad, much different from the reason that I think that things are bad, right? So you got to keep it just general because I'll I do that. I don't want to get specific with you because if we get specific, I'm going to say some things that you don't want to hear. And then it might be some static and it's, it's like a it's like a powder keg, be quite honest with you, a lot of people nowadays, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. you got to keep it light, man. You got to look out for your best interest, man. I mean, you got to like, play pickleball. Like, hey, this is... This is Mike, you brought it back around again. I, yeah. I was going to say hey, that... I'm an influencer. We're talking about solutions and pickleball's right here. You like, pickleball about, is you, going you to save America. the head of the curve. This man right here, this is my guy. He was ahead of the curve. I said, God damn this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you caught it, man. You caught the wave, man. man. I said, God damn Man, hold up. Fuck the bull. No, no. Forget the bullshit. I got one question for you. Who the fuck does your video production? And how the fuck you be getting all that shit out there? You get your content be going crazy. Man. How you do all that? Hey, I'll, I'll tell you who does my video production. It's a black guy. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> and his name's it, it, wow. his name's Rod. He's, his name's Rod Washington, and we used to do uh, video production together in the early 2000s. So we would do weddings and shit like that. And so he still lives in Phoenix, and he's good at all the production stuff. You know, he just makes oh, short yeah. films, and and so I just, I still, Patrick, I just take my folding chair and my my iPad, and I prop it up on the world's worst tennis courts, and I just shoot video, and then I send it to him. I go make it look semi-decent and he does and you know yeah so, like, I mean, I'm like, what the fuck is this dude doing 
Shout out to Rod Washington. Yeah, he's this episode the, uh, is dedicated to Rod. Yeah, he's the guy. Of course, another black guy supporting a white guy, and I get all the props, but you know, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the world. Just don't forget where you came from, Mike, of being the That's face right. of the attack and the throne godcast. Yeah. 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 Yeah, hey, listen, um, we can't bring this stuff up in pickleball uh, circles. I, I, you know, I'm starting to get things going here, so don't ruin my brand. Oh, no, 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 no. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. I'm just yeah. waiting for Mike to be like, yo, we got to pull all these episodes. I don't want to be associated yeah, with Yeah, if you could just there. mute all of my stuff. Like, it's just <laughs> one like. One sponsor away from that. One paddle sponsor. Away. That's right. it, that's it, right? <laughs> so here, here's what, I'll just tell you what, I don't know if I told you this, but so. When I was in Wisconsin, I had a woman contact me um, who was uh, a producer for um, a, a small production company that the president, former president of HBO used to work for. And so he started this production company. He hired a bunch of people he knew in the business. And so they're producing content for Apple TV. And she, who happens to be, she's Larry David's uh, current wife. Um, she contacted me because she saw my one of my episodes and she's like, so um, I, I'm doing this documentary for Apple TV. I'd like to talk to you. And, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of episodes and see what you're about and a little more. And so she didn't know anything about the yurt or any of that stuff. So she yeah. she called me and then um, I talked to her for about a half hour and <laughs> So, you know, should we start with the pickleball origin story? And I'm like, I was playing pickleball in Tahoe, but then I was like, I love this, but where am I going to play? I live in the middle of nowhere. Who's going to play this game? Turns out, long story short, there were people around here that played pickleball. So then I told her where I lived and how I lived. And then it sure really piqued her interest. She's like, oh, my God. Like, I want to <laughs> see your yurt. I want to see you watching pickleball in your yurt. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, it's great. Sure. And I'm thinking, there's no fucking way. Like, She's like, you're probably the last person I'm going to shoot them. We're almost done with this. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll be back in July. And she's like, okay. So, you know, I contact her. I'm like, so I'm back. And she's like, okay, so it's probably going to be mid-July. So long story short, never heard from her again because I'm pretty sure, A, she either found out what I talk about <laughs> or, B, she looked at a map and all the flights – and rental cars she would have had to take just to get here to film five minutes of some guy at the end of some movie she's already got done, you know, living in, a, yeah. in his yeah, yurt. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I, I got, that's, I got I asked. I feel like it's the latter more than the former, but maybe. Yeah, I, maybe. I think so, yeah. I would love maybe, to know but, that Larry David's wife was listening to this podcast. That makes me happy. I'll send it to her. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> just like, you know. her, name is, uh, her name's Ashley Underwood. So this is his second wife. Hmm. And she's, you know, I think she's quite a bit younger than him, you know, kind of sort of your typical yeah, yeah. sort of yeah. Hollywood yeah. deal. But I think they got married during COVID. You know, they, they uh, quarantined together and it's, uh, you know, like, what a whatever, romance, but... man. COVID romance. Yeah, yeah. So, but that. I was this close to hit the big time. You were, you'll get there, <laughs> man. Right. Hit it next time. <laughs> uh, well, I would have given me like a shot. Oh, I would have, I would have woven in the doom into the whole. Oh, sure, you <laughs> yeah. I totally been like, so you think this interview is really about pickleball, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, don't, don't, don't take the pickleball, man. Don't, don't take the pickleball, man. And that, that's your one. I'll give you the real documentary, lady. 
<laughs> Shit's all going down. <laughs> oh man. Well, they got pack it. Pack, all right, pack your shit up. Time to go. Time to get out of here. <laughs> my petroleum balls. My petroleum paddles. Yeah, man. My nylon oh, petroleum man. net. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming down, baby. It's coming down. It's coming down. You're on it here first. Oh man. Well, no, man, no, man, but I mean, like, real biz, though, man. I mean, I check out all your videos, man. You know, I was gonna go in there and say like some doomer shit one time, like, eh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm yeah, so hey, I just, no, I, I just hit, I just hit 500 subscribers, which uh, yeah. allows me to do polling now. I can do polling like in my, in my, on my channel. Uh, but I need to hit. Patrick probably knows this with some of this stuff. I need to hit a thousand subscribers, mm-hmm. and I need to hit. 4,000 viewing hours to get to get monetized and so yeah. the, the, a, yeah. i think the subscriber thing will eventually happen but god 4,000 that's a lot of hours like i'm at like yeah 1500 <laughs> you know. i mean for me i use youtube and i just put up segments you know and i just i've yeah. made so many of them most of them don't get a lot of views but like you make enough of them eventually you'll get that many views that yeah. many hours that many subscribers and then eventually you'll get yeah. monetized and then eventually you'll make a penny four cents four cents a <laughs> view it's awesome you know before yeah. you know it, you'll you i mean you you can't come up uh what's that kid's name uh he used to be with the young turks and i do listen to his shit He's oh funny uh Hassan Hassan, Hassan, yeah. that kid man you know he does that shit eight hours a day, like six or seven days a week. Uh, he starts no. like 11 and he goes like seven at night. Yeah. Dude, there's it's, no fucking yeah. way I could do that much talking, man. Well, that's that the much- thing. Like, you know, we've talked about this. And huh. It's like, it's like anything else. Like Patrick mentioned this earlier. You got to keep doing content. Like, my, you know, Rod, mm-hmm. he's like, do a fucking one minute thing and put it on tiktok a day or put it on, i'm like oh yeah oh fuck that's like it's now it's exhausting to become like it's work like i was just doing once a week but now i'm like now i gotta get all these clicks and i'm like fuck i'm going in it man i'm getting in it i just you know so we'll Thank see you. where it goes you but. are walking away from empire and you are walking toward content new empire <laughs> yeah you're walking toward tiktok <laughs> like good job like. <laughs> I know what a fucking sellout it That's sucks it's so stupid I hate it ever since I, I left nature bats last it's all gone to a shit show I know <laughs> should have never left should have stayed with that That's fucking right. weirdo that would have been yeah. good good move for you yeah, yeah. no nah, man I could I couldn't I couldn't do it though man every day it's like it'd be like no fucking job. way yeah it's a job yeah oh shit man it's a job. I mean, I, mean, I like pickleball, but Jesus. What else is it? It's a, it's a very limited topic, too. Like, at least Doom, there's, like, all these fi- – Hey, pickleball. Yeah. I'm almost out of shit. I'm only seven months into this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, no, I've man. done all the med- – It's so funny because people that see some of my videos are like, that shit was in your book. You just changed Doom to pickleball. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm out of shit. <laughs> like, you got the blueprint. I did one about the story you tell yourself about yourself playing pickleball. And it's like, that's in your fucking book. I'm like, yeah, you think I fucking, yeah, I got to make shit up every week. That's so funny. Oh, you're plagiarizing your doom shit too. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going through chapters. I'm like, well, let's put pickleball there. That's the same fucking thing. Oh my God. That's so funny. Chasing a different pickleball, whatever. Oh God. Well, it's anything, baby. If anything, one size fits all, baby. That's right. Right. Well, just I, I, I think we're all proud of you, Mike. 
Thanks. We're doing great. It's really, it's really good content for real. Like, no, it's like really good. It's really well made, and I'm like, wow, okay. Like, who the fuck's doing that? At this point, it's still fun, but you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. When it's not fun, you got to start thinking about not stopping, but like how to change it so it's fun still. Here's the thing, and I have um a colleague, former colleague. She's a principal now at a school, high school, and they have a media class. She's like what if I told my media class and they took on your channel as a project? I'm like, yeah, I could have a TikTok person, a freaking oh Instagram God. person. Like they could just oh, do yeah. all this stuff. You live large, baby. Get some interns. I film it. I send yeah. it out there to these, you know, basically slave wages, no yeah. wages. And mm-hmm. like, Beautiful. yeah, you guys are getting, you're all my interns. Good job. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna develop skills and then they're gonna yeah. be successful. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, so we'll see. But I'm already looking for like, yeah, maybe you can take over this. I just want to film it, and then I'm done, and it just blows up, and they send me paddles. You're getting there. I want to see you on TikTok, Mike. I want to see you on TikTok. Well, I'm on TikTok. Are you on TikTok now? Well, all I'm doing is taking a clip of my video and putting it on there. I need somebody very clever to like, you know, tell me you got to shoot it this way so it's on TikTok, and it's, you know whatever you're uh so, you're like tiktok video of you plant or like watering pickleball plants or whatever it was <laughs> fucking hilarious like you just keep that up keep on doing that just be goofy that was my i thought that thing would blow up but the, my buddy rod's like yeah dude you can't shoot it this way you gotta shoot it this yeah, way it's, a, it's a vertical, it's like, vertical. Oh. i know See, i need a kid in high school to tell me that shit i, don't I know yeah i mean <laughs> too much work tiktok's weird i don't like it but tiktok is weird but God, man, I start. I catch myself scrolling through this shit. I'm like, oh, it's crap. it's it is the most addictive oh. social media platform, which is why I deleted it because I'm like, this yeah. is awful. Like, I, I was, yeah. it was like, it's like cocaine. It was ridiculous. I was like, what it is, is it's like this? Pez. It's just like black, oh, it's just black magic. More. It's weird. I'm like, this is it is bad. weird. This is bad. This is bad news. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so. I think well, I think that's really really fast. I, I think that's like the attention span of like the modern. 18 to 35 year old right i mean yeah. like if you i remember my dad told to me to gandhi when i was 10 right yeah oh god like, i still didn't finish that movie yeah that shit, she was long so i sat there i watched it with my dad and uh mommy i, I didn't understand certain parts of it but i mean i i mean i, I like the movie and i was like a little kid i don't think an adult today right average adult american adult today has the attention span to actually watch that movie in its entirety mm-hmm. yeah definitely not not in one sit. not in one sitting i don't even yeah, fuck yeah it's hard yeah. i can watch the tiktok version <laughs> <laughs> highlight reels that's right and it's just kind of that like gandhi doing it because it's the one motion all his time it's like yeah, yeah. cover i mean well do some cgi oh yeah yeah gandhi yeah. Just that's right <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, guys. No, no, no. But yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I just no, want to no, say. Go ahead, go ahead. I just. I want to. I want to wrap it up. I'm gonna wrap sure. it up. Is that okay? You guys, yeah. good. No. Yeah. I gotta walk home. It's dark. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Let's have a leader here. here. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's about seven here, so I'm gonna. Wrap gotta it say, up. it's cool. really good seeing Rob. It's great. Yeah. Seeing Rob. I know. Yeah. yeah, it is really good. I was gonna say that myself, man. Yeah. 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 I don't know how often you can do this, but. 
more than two and a half years would be nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to get back on soon for sure. It's great talking to you all. Yeah, yeah it's man. good to have you. It's on, really good man. thing, you chief. Really, yeah, it really man. was, man. It was a lot, a lot of fun, and yeah, it was really cool. Like every having everybody on for. I know Colin had to bounce early, but it was cool having everybody on. Like, yeah, this is the yeah. crew. This is the crew, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the crew. Yeah. The it's moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There go. <laughs> what a callback that was. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say last thing with Rob, we met and then we did some collaborative interviews together. And so I've been, That's right. I've, I've loved it. Yeah. Dar Jamal. Yeah. 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 Shane Burley. We did two interviews in Portland together and went to Dar's uh, book deal, book That's signing right. thing right. at, at Powell's book. Anyway, it was great. Like, we worked really great working with you. And, so I'm glad that we could do this again, Rob. Yeah. Quick question. For, uh, what happened to Dar? I haven't seen him or anything from him in a minute. Oh, yeah. Dar's just living. He lives in, um, lives on the peninsula. <laughs> I'll try to keep it vague enough. Uh, Olympic Peninsula. I mean, he says where he's from, but he you know, lives yeah. on the peninsula. He's, I mean, like, I haven't heard from him in a few months because he's just hiking. Like, he just takes advantage yeah. of the season. He's like, I'm going to be in the mountains yeah. for months. Good. And yeah. everything else he does is basically... Um, farming grant you know doing his he has like huge just amazing gardens man just like this incredible garden and um he reads and he's writing books now like he published a book recently um and that's it he's just like i'm just i don't want to he's kind of kind of reminds me of um of mike a little in the sense of like stepping away for like i don't have to like i've said everything i need to say about the climate i'm good like I'm I'll good. Write yeah, about I'm good. It. Yeah. yeah, occasionally he'll write an article if he's asked to. Um, but he's just he's just chilling out. He's just like I'm gonna hang out with my oh, family, right. my friends. What kind of book did he write? He wrote that book with Stan Rushworth called oh, um, yeah. "We Are the Middle of Forever" or "We Are in the Middle of Forever." Um, yeah. In which they okay, basically yeah. they interview a lot of indigenous people about what's going on, like how to adapt yeah. to to climate crisis, you know, from an indigenous perspective. So yeah i mean that's what he's put out recently and other than that he's just just, just living yeah, he's farmer you. i mean i've calmed i've calmed down a lot too i say like out of all of my close friends my journey mirrors mike's because i remember yeah. how intense he was i remember how intense i was back in the day yeah. sometimes tell, i look back at that i look yeah. back at some of that shit that i, I mean i like huh. i'll look at an article that'll come up or something and i read it i'm like Whoa! Like, yeah, yeah. I had like the fire hose pissed, in somebody's man. face. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there, man. I was there. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, Captain <laughs> Intensity. Yeah. yeah. It just. Yeah. It. Well, there's. I think there's a phase. I think we all go through the phase, and I think yeah. some of us come out on the other yeah. side and chill the fuck out a little bit. I you think you to. either implode or you get out of it. Yeah. There's no in between. You can't keep going hard like that. Yeah, five in a day, right? You gonna uh, just, or you- just take some sips and that's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all we're like, acceptance. We're in the acceptance think, phase right now, right? I think, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think all of us here, to whatever degree, we did our part in saying, "Hey, this is happening, and yeah. this is why it's happening, and oh, yeah. this is you know, this is what's what's going to happen." And now we're right. going through it, so it's like, okay, you know, like, yeah, that's it. I don't know. Yeah. And nothing, nothing brought me more brought me more joy recently than seeing my man Mike with the with the pickleball thing. Seriously, yeah. I mean, like just seeing him just so joyous in it, man. I said, yeah. it's so it's, been a long, it's so funny it's been a long though. Time, I, like, 
And that's a funny trajectory, man, because like I do remember, like I know you. I I, I first got introduced you from Guy's podcast. Yeah. So you, you were pretty intense, you know, and I was oh, God. definitely like you know, in that stage of like, so bad oh, man, like shit, you know, like I was in that stage. Uh, of, yeah, like uh, I, I know. I probably owe a fair amount like, of people like, apologies. No, no, it's like I, I told. I'm totally with Forrest on this. Like I do. I love the evolution. I love the, like where you took it all and you know and no Bill you got to reinvent yourself for your brand. Stop rhyming, knows uh, what I'm fucking talking I think about. You got to do like a a po- you maybe could be a poetry influencer, Bill. Right, right. Yeah. I, I think my new thing is now is I'm an anti-social media uh, influencer. Me <laughs> like, like, That's the like best. I've noticed that like my influence really is dwindling. Like I have fewer and fewer friends. I get fewer and fewer likes. Yeah. And I like it that way. Like I want it that way. Like I don't yeah. I interact with Facebook differently than I used to. I don't like I don't argue anymore. It's like Yeah, I can't do that either. No, 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 I can't no, do that. No, like no, it's no. not it's not changing anybody's mind. It's actually the opposite. Like Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. Like anybody you get to argue with anybody like what's the first thing you do when you get when you get an argument is you just double down your own like no. Like Yeah. yeah. It's just no. No. I mean, to be quite honest, before we get off, I mean, I like talking with the people like you guys and the ones that are like my real friends in real time, more yeah, so like 10 than people. anything else. people I care about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it's not a lot. That's all. <laughs> it's not a lot, you know. So, but uh, no, I like this more than anything else, man. That's why I'm in my life. I like to just actually have interactions with the people that I love, see them doing well. Maybe talk about some social issues to keep it real, but not just be mired in that uh, sadness, right? Yeah. yeah. You got you to you go for it. But, but yeah, that's all I want to say, man. I just want to let you know, man. Love you guys. Glad that we're doing our thing, man. Having fun with this and the whole night. I look forward to it each and every time. So. Yeah, man. It's a lot of fun. I'll see y'all. Well, I'll see y'all. Uh, you know, soon. I'll see y'all. Soon. I'll see y'all, but I'll see y'all next week. <laughs> All right. Well, it's Sorry, good to have you all. There. Yeah. <laughs> love you guys. Good to have you okay. all here. Yeah. <laughs> miss you, Rob. Yeah, miss yeah, you man. Rob, definitely, Rob. Come back, definitely come back, Rob. Definitely yeah. come back, sir. All we'll right. Do. You all take care. <laughs>